0: Beatles. I'm Ian Boothby and I'm David Dedrick. We're both from the Sneaky Dragon podcast <laughs> That's true. and uh, this is our penultimate episode. It is our penultimate epi-
1: episode. Man, <laughs> I said penultimate already, but episode went completely. Hey, I
0: know it seems like that would be the one that would like, mess you up.
1: Last time, last show was our anti penultimate episode.
0: <laughs> if this is your first time uh, listening to the show, let me break down what happens. Uh, We've been going album by album, track by track, talking about every Beatles song that has been recorded in chronological order. And uh, as we've been going along, uh, we've been covering uh, things like the Yellow Submarine album, Mm -hmm. uh, but always saying, we'll get to the movies later. We'll get to the movies later. That's right. Well, later is today. Oh, that is when that is when we were at. Today I thought is we we're now. still
1: putting it off, so I totally did not prepare for this episode. And by
0: Dave not preparing, it means he only <laughs> brought one thick notebook full of uh, research. I, it sounds like I'm making that up, but I'm not. Uh, Dave came here and went, "Oh, I forgot my notes," and uh, and that left him only one full book of notes. So uh, Dave is that kid in school who did the extra homework. Yes, and uh, he is a. Yeah, the way the show goes, Dave is uh, the the sort of, not even self-proclaimed Beatles expert, but you are the hardcore Beatles fan of the two of us. Sure. And I am a casual uh, listener. I've been kind of along for the ride, asking questions mm-hmm. uh, as we go. And today, we're going to be covering the movies. Okay. So all the Beatles films. So we're going to be covering A Hard Day's Night. We're going to be covering Help. Magical Mystery Tour, Yellow Submarine, and Let It Be. Sure. Uh, there is some question uh, in the room as to whether we can cover all of these in one episode, and we'll, we'll see if we can. So that is the challenge we are uh, that is meeting for ourselves. Yes.
1: Either that or it's going to be a four-hour episode.
0: <laughs> we'll see. You, you know what? You you can solve that mystery yourself right now by looking down at your screen and seeing how long is this That's episode. Right. You know. That's right. You are in the future, and you have knowledge <laughs> that we do not, because as I've said, we are in the present. We are today. Yes. And tomorrow never knows. So, I don't, well, actually, tomorrow will know in this case because mm-hmm. you are tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, knock this off and just get right to it let's then. contradicting ourselves. Okay. Now, the Beatles as, uh, as movie stars. Now, what was, uh, what was kind of the – do we want to do some context uh, leading into this because that is uh, the way we normally start things? Sure, sure.
1: We can do a little bit of context.
0: All right, let's go with some context. Now, if you if you are listening to this and going, I, I want a little bit of more thorough commentary, uh, as we've gone along through the albums, uh, the movie albums as well, we have covered a bit of this in the past. Yes, we have. So yeah. if you're if you're listening to this and going like, oh, I want to know more about Hard Dates, go back and listen to our album album episode and we will cover a lot of that ground so we're going to try and cover new ground in this one but context wise i I hand the floor to you dave
1: yeah i'm not going to go too much into all the history behind it because i feel like we have kind of covered it in a way so i was more we're more concentrating just on the movies for this episode and so really what i wanted to say about the beatles was that of course growing up when they did and seeing movies like the girl can't help it and some of the elvis presley films and Cliff Richard films and movies like Espresso Bongo and stuff like that, which I think maybe Cliff Richard was in that film now that I say that. But, um, you know, this films that kind of, the sort of B movies of the time, like, you know, like, uh, Long Live Rock and things like that, where, you know, Teddy Boys were tearing up the movie theaters and things. Well, of course, growing up at that time, the Beatles wanted to be in a movie. So, you know, almost as soon as they were stars, they started looking around for things that they could do and, you know, be in films.
0: Right. Now, was there a history of... You're mentioning Elvis, who's the most, you know, uh, popular sure. example of sure. uh, a musician that went to, First of all, was that considered a successful thing when Elvis did the movies? Was that, like, considered a positive
1: th- move for Elvis? Was it considered... I mean, I would say near the beginning it was considered a positive move for him, but I think even by the time the Beatles were looking at doing films, they could see the trap that Elvis had put himself into, which mm-hmm. was, you know, the movie's... The movies made him as banal as possible and as ino- as inoffensive as they could in order to make him more appealing. Right. You know, whereas before, you know, he was this hip-shaken, you know, very sexualized.
0: And there was no pelvic thrusts in the films that there he did. There was
1: very little. I mean, there might have been a little bit, but yeah. not as much. And as it went on, you know, when you went from, say, a black and white film like Jailhouse Rock, and then pretty soon you were in color, one, color films like Love Hawaiian Style and things like that, or, or even further up the... When you get to Clambake. Clambake, or yeah, well, even when you say the name Clambake, or Spin Out, or... <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the one where he's mixed up with Mary Tyler Moore, who plays a nun. I can't remember the name of that film. Is that
0: where Angels Go, Trouble follows? Am I thinking... I
1: could be, I don't know. I don't oh. really know the whole Elvis filmography, I have to admit. So yeah. Mostly it's to be avoided, is my... my right, there
0: was a wide variety of nun-related movies around <clears throat> then, yeah.
1: And so, I mean, the Beatles had that kind of... They were fortunate in a way, in that they could see, you know, well, we want to be in a movie, we want to be in a film like... Like, you know, they did not want to be in a film like A Girl Can't Help It, where they they would just be an adjunct to the film, though. They wanted to be the stars of a film. Mm-hmm. And even at that time, it was pretty rare that a musician was the star of a film. There were movies like, um, I can think of the, I guess it's Rio Bravo with um, John Wayne and Dean Martin and Ricky Nelson's in that film. Right.
0: Well, I mean, Frank Sinatra, obviously. He did his share of uh, Frank films. Frank Sinatra, sure,
1: yeah. sure. And serious films, like films where yeah. it's not even about him being being an, a singer. Did you he know? do the
0: Man with the Golden Arm?
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, he did other ones too. He was in From Here to Eternity. He was in um, The Detective. You know, there's films where yeah, this has nothing to do with him as a, you know, as a, and there's kind of silly ones like like. Um, no, that's Ocean's sorry. Just bit of a
0: trivia thing on The Detective. Am I remembering this right, or am I completely crackers? Uh, You're is right. that is that the one that the the same novel the detec- The Detective is based on? They used again for Die Hard. I think I'm right in that. It's I think very it's a
1: sequel to it, or it was con- a continuation.
0: Yeah, same character, something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's that's
1: strange. It is strange. <laughs> yeah, I think both of them are rewritten. It's
0: one kind of those of, things where if ever I was putting on a double bill, I would like to put both of those together and go guess the connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but there is a history, uh, we're saying, of musicians sure. in film.
1: And, I mean, Frank Sinatra's different in the sense that, actually, he was a pretty good actor. Like, he's really mm-hmm. good in uh, Manchurian Candidate. Absolutely.
0: He's got chops, yeah. Yeah,
1: he's quite good. Whereas the Beatles, I think, when we watch the films, we can see that they had they're limits as actors. So, Sinatra came know? from
0: kind of an era where you had to be able to do multiple things. You look at someone mm-hmm. like the Sammy Davis Jr. Sure. And, like, oh, by the way, I can also do these gun tricks. Oh, yeah, by the way, of course yeah. I can dance and sing and act and I can do all these amazing things. Mm-hmm. Of course you can. You can do 75 things because you're a person from that era. Whereas you could just be a rock and roller...
1: Uh, later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's true. And yeah, they didn't grow up in that time where you tap danced, you sang, you acted, you, you know, did gymnastics, you, you know, all these yeah. sort of opera, you know, whatever, you know, just whatever we throw at you, you can do, right? Yeah. Um, and so, so the Beatles, well, one of the first things the Beatles were offered actually was a kind of a, a B movie, like, uh, which I don't think they were opposed to being in a B, B film as long as they had something substantial in it. You know, so there was this film that was called *The Yellow Teddy Bears* that was being made, and they were offered they were offered a role in the film. But basically, they were just going to be, you know, a, mu- a musical act in the film, and they weren't going to be like any have any kind of major role in it. And as a further uh, disincentive for them, they either had to perform someone else's music, you know, so they'd be doing these kind of anodyne tin pan alley wow. songs as rock and roll songs in quotation marks. Or if they did provide their own music to the film, they lost all rights to those, to those that music.
0: Sounds great all the way around. Yeah,
1: it's win win win. <laughs> so, and then the plot itself. I mean, it was called the
0: Yellow Teddy Bears, <laughs> right? But when Again, it was, it's a great title too. Oh, it's solid, I great mean, there's name. nothing I don't love about this film so far.
1: <laughs> it, it eventually came out. Is it
0: a minstrel show as well? Just to like top it all off. <laughs> it eventually came out as Gutter Girls was one also title for a great
1: it. name, and or the other title for it was the Thrill Seekers.
0: Okay, that that normally would not be my favorite title, but of that mix, clearly that's the that's, best that's, of the three.
1: So, what, what the film was about was that it was about, um, well, what the yellow teddy oh bears cow. represented was mm-hmm. girls who were sexually promiscuous wore these yellow teddy bears to show other boys that they were sexually promiscuous. And then one no, of the, they used to call that in England Paddingtoning. Yes, is that's that easy to say as well. That's why they used it. <laughs> yep. And, uh, so one of the girls. You, know you messed
0: up your words right off the top. So if anyone's throwing stones right now, it should not be I'll you. I'll throw them
1: all day long. Okay, I can throw them in my glass house. <laughs> um, so one of the girls gets pregnant, and then she's going to get an abortion, mm-hmm. and then her dad finds out, and he's opposed to this, and then a teacher stands up for her, and she gets fired from her job. So it's kind of one of those sort of okay social message, you which know, is why of, you
0: want the Beatles doing a Tin Pan Alley song.
1: Yeah, you just. So I think they were right to to say nope, and I, but I think they would have they wouldn't have been opposed to doing it just you know because they wanted to be in a movie yeah. but you know just the whole song element of it that wasn't them you know that kind of turned them off of it no and you can only make a first appearance once and as usual with the with the beatles that they were so lucky with who they fell in with you know like i mean it could have gone all kinds of ways right it could have gone every which way they could have ended up with a colonel tom parker uh, this total exploitative manager who just squeezed every drop that he could out of them, but they didn't end it with Brian Epstein, who you know you can't completely defend as a manager, he was bumbling in lots of ways, and he at least at first, and he did do some things out of that were self interested, of course, because he's a human, right, but overall in comparison to what they could have ended up in. Yeah,
0: find me the good rock and roll manager that <laughs> everyone goes, you know, that was a swell fella, straight edge, and everything but, was great all the way That's right,
1: around. that's right. I mean, it's, it's a sort of industry that attracts sharks, and when you find one that's... Less sharkish than the other sharks, and you're pretty lucky.
0: Yeah, it's basically I'm going to change the animal here, and it's like it's it's kind of like I mean I have an agent, and when I got my agent, uh, she was saying like I'm going to basically be a pit bull, but I'm going to be a I'm going to be a pit bull for you. Okay, you know, and sometimes but you got to realize it's a pit bull. Yeah, sometimes pit bull, you know, (laughs) there you go. There's a nature to the kind of person who can do this kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. and uh,
1: once in a while that may get you nipped. Yeah, unlike you as a creative artist, you don't want to have to be that kind of character no, person who's all. having to bully people and and push your way in and stuff like that and so that's what the artist wants their manager to be but you're right the personality that you get with that is maybe not all the best for you either right. so but I mean I'm not going to dec- condemn Brian Epstein I mean he he made mistakes but I think overall uh we've talked about it before so let's not go into it but yeah. so there was this uh producer for United Artists who was living he lived he, he kind of worked in Europe and what he did was he he was he kind of uh, created like the Spanish m- movie industry in a way. He did a film there um, with um, oh, I can't remember what film it is now. It was it had Rock Hudson in it. it. was and what they could do was uh, it might have been the no I can't I'm not gonna try and guess. So um, you all can look it up it on have,
0: whatever device you're listening to this on. Probably you can look up
1: what you're it might have been about. based on a Hemingway novel. And okay. I don't know why I didn't write it down. I think because I thought I'll remember it because it's Hemingway, and now <laughs> I I forgot it. Which you know tells you my memory because I forgot my notes. That's my excuse. <laughs> yeah, you only um, have one thick book of notes. That's right. right. And so, uh, <laughs> and so you know, because Spain was this kind of it's like it was a cheap place to, to it was like the Canada of Europe, right? So you go there because it costs less to film. <laughs> that's why all the spaghetti westerns were made there. And, yeah. and so because you could just you know all these people get just go there and 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 take advantage of the the cheapness. So he was working on, on that kind of end of it, but he lived in England, and he was very much an an Anglophile. He he. Uh, Wanted to be like an aristocrat, you know, although he was this Californian Jew uh, who had married uh, Mary Mary Pickford's niece, which is why he rose up in the company, you know, rather than work your way up, just marry your way up is a one way to do it. Because United Artists, as you know, was formed by Mary Pickford, Charlie Chaplin and Douglas Fairbanks. How do you
0: make it? You married the It Girl.
1: That's right. That's right. Well, the It Girl? Wasn't she the It Girl? Mary Pickford? No. Who was the It Girl? Uh, Theta Barra, I
0: think was the... Really? Yeah. Okay. We'll look that up. Mary Pickford was not. She
1: was the. She was the. She was America's sweetheart. Okay. Although she was from Canada, she's from the Maritimes. There we go. Because we're Canadian, we have to tell when people. We do have to, and we have to call
0: Spain uh, the Canada of the day. Exactly. It's, it's It's a. Copyright, I uh, I'm wondering thing. about Mary, uh, Pickford and the It Girl thing. I'm not I could 100%. Be wrong I'm not 100% era, convinced not, on that. No, so, uh, She was or, not
1: the It Girl because the It Girl was a very sexualized character. Mary Pickford was okay. America's sweetheart. All right.
0: You uh, out there, you know who's right on this one, and uh, yeah, that's it's, fine. It's me.
1: It's me, as far as it not being Mary Pickford. I cannot swear that. I, anyway,
0: I only get three strong debates per episode, and I'm not <laughs> going to use my first one right now.
1: Especially I get one. I
0: get one phone a friend as well. Especially when it's Googleable uh, More hard words to
1: say. <laughs> I said it well, though.
0: Yes, you did. Um, and so Dave only gets to pronounce three hard words correctly through the episode, so he has used one of them today.
1: <laughs> so this guy, his name was Charles Ornstein, but better known as Bud. Because of course, every movie producer is your best friend, mm-hmm. and uh, so he lived in England and he witnessed uh, Beatlemania firsthand. So, when, like, say, Capitol Records and all the people in the United States are totally missing out on this fantastically huge uh, social movement, this big the thing that was bursting at the seams of, of British culture, uh, how they, do they not know though?
0: Like in the states, that that's going on. Yeah. How are
1: they unaware? Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? Like yeah, really... telephones are there. By the way, this is your business. <laughs> well, especially since EMI owned Capitol Records. Yeah. They didn't even force them to I think to release... there
0: is a bit of, you know, I know in other, in, in other uh, art forms, you know, what's happened in England, you know, was was ignored until someone just goes, hey, and then yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. you know, I mean, we both know things about comics, and, you know, at, at some point, someone goes, Alan Moore's good, huh? And then they hire mm. him, but mm-hmm. he's been doing it for years, and That's everyone true. over there knows, Yeah, but... And then all of a sudden, you get all the things you get there. But yeah. yeah, that's so strange how far away you are in a world even back then where you had you should have known. Yeah, frankly, if it's I mean, your there business, was newsreel
1: footage there were. But at the same time, because or a phone call England, going, guess
0: what's really exploding? Like you just call England and go, "What's incredibly hot over there right now? Yeah. This how well are they selling this? Well, holy cow, we should get on that, huh? Yes, we should.
1: The and problem and so, the problem was was the track record for British artists was pretty oh that's possible okay terrible. it's a bit too foreign so yeah foreign you're like you, so people were like you know well, these guys could be good, but they're British. So yeah, and Ameri- they're very popular in England. But so was Lonnie Donegan, who failed in America. Yeah. So was Matt Monroe. No, who you raise a you raise a really good point in that. The one
0: thing that that rock and roll is is American. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's something yeah. that's that, that's a hard bridge to cross. I could I could understand <coughs> for American youth. All of a sudden, these British folks are singing that's rock right. rock and roll. What's mm-hmm. that about? That's they're too posh. Yeah, because
1: we live we we're in a post British British invasion. Absolutely. Asian, no, that's a good. So point. So it's hard for us to look and remember when that didn't exist. Right. Right. Idea. You would
0: see back in the day, British people, they would be the ones playing Nazis in, in war films, there you, go. you know, because for some reason they do that and they don't change their accent. And it's like, well, what do
1: you think? Yes, because aristocrats are like Nazis. Mm-hmm. Um. And so what uh, but so Ornstein, I mean, he saw the value of the Beatles. And now, of course, the Beatles were signed to Parlophone. They were signed for another two to three years with Parlophone uh, Records, their contract but what their contract had in it was a clause that if their songs were used in a movie those songs belonged to the film and not to par- Parlophone so he really could care less what the vehicle was what he wanted was the soundtrack album yeah. of the Beatles so um basically the whole thing then just became let's sign the Beatles and then we'll put something together for them right. and we got to cash in this fast because cash in on this fast because this is not going to last very long. This is this is a you know they're maybe going to last till next summer, yeah, at, at the most.
0: Which and is so, which sounds silly now, but again, realistically back mm-hmm, then,
1: that's sure that's how sure. long bands last. Mm-hmm, exactly, and so you know uh, he you know courted uh, Brian Epstein, you know, and wined and dined him and talked him into into doing a film, and he would already kind of he had uh, lined up Walter Shenson, who had impressed Ornstein because he had produced the most that roared, and. Uh, it done, you know, a pretty good job with that, and it had been a hit in the states, and so that gave him some cachet. Do you remember, Do you know the Mosa Road with Peter Sellers? that yep, the country that declares war in the states, so that they can get
0: yeah. They aid? used to uh, they used to run that like in the afternoons. Mm-hmm. The afternoons on CBC, they would run that movie a lot.
1: A lot, yes. Yeah, and so, um, and so, so Shensen and Ornstein were you know kind of courting Epstein. Now they had an they had a figure in mind. They were like you know we're prepared to you know maybe pay them twenty five percent. That mm-hmm. was their figure. So Brian Epstein, the master negotiator, comes in and he's like, well, we will not take anything less than 7.5%, 7.5%, that's all. They're like, oh, okay, seven seven <laughs> 7.5%. But actually, because, you know, just talking about how lucky the Beatles were, they actually gave them the 25%. They did instead, you know, this ignorant Brian's negotiating, they just gave him what they intended to. Yeah. Anyway, so they got 25%, which is kind of, you know, so this is interesting. They could have, you know, hosed yeah. them, but they're kind of like, well, you know, let's be kind, let's be fair here. And so, um, so yeah, so Shenson. So then, um,
0: well, that's that's also smart because you're thinking long term. You could have short term profit, yeah, or you could have long term relationship. Sure, and that uh, you know that makes more sense.
1: So they signed signed the Beatles to a three picture deal because, by the way, the
0: Beatles think mm-hmm. probably they're going to last longer
1: than everyone else does. Well, even the Beatles, when you watch those old interviews with them, where they're talking about. You know, becoming doing opening a a chain of hairdressing salons. They had no idea. I mean, they were only going by their the the track record of other bands too. Do you think
0: though their their feelings on that were then they'd stop being musicians? Like I can't see if you were that passionate about it your whole life. Like I mean, I understand like the the heat. You Mm -hmm. know, being that that short period of time. But yeah, I can't see. You know, well, we were the Beatles. Now I'm hanging up my guitar. Done. Even (laughs) if it was just a year. yeah,
1: Yeah, but I mean, I think as far as being a money earning thing. You know, that's you have possible. to make a living. Okay. You can't just, yeah. you know, even you can still keep playing your guitar. But if you're not making money, it's you rapidly loses its, its gloss. True. Um, and so yeah, like I said, the idea was let's make this movie, make it fast, and even if the film is a dud, even if it flops in the theaters, we'll make our money back on the soundtrack album. Sure. That's all. That's really all that he wanted. Out of mm-hmm. it. And so, Brian Shenson, and then. Uh, Richard Lester had had kind of been a sort of rising talent at that time. He had uh, he was an American who'd come to England, worked uh, like as a, a produ- you know associate producer of, of television shows, uh, some jazz shows, uh, did a show called Downbeat, and then strangely he got his own show, which was called the Dick Lester Show, and it was kind of like a goon show kind of uh, show on t- for television, right? And it had Ellen Owen as a actor writer on it, and so. And so it didn't do very well. It it ended quite quickly, but it brought him to the attention of Peter Sellers, who at that time was looking for a way to translate the Goon Show from radio to television. Okay. And uh, but because the BBC owned the uh, rights to the Goon Show name, they had to do plan these shows under different names. That was like a show called Fred and uh, <laughs> Idiots Weekly. They had various names that they wanted to use for it. And was uh, was Spike Milligan part was of Spike that? Spike Milligan, yeah. Was whole, it, this he, is before Harry Spike Seco. did uh, Spike Milligan did Q-, Q. The Q series was was late 60s. Late 60s, yeah, okay. Yeah. And because, yeah, he did about six of those. Each one had a Q1, Q2. Right. Um, and so he. Um, so, yeah, it was like Michael Benteen, Harry Seacum, Peter Sellers and Spike Milligan, like the full goon show. Yeah. And so they were working together and that led to them doing the, the short film Running, Jumping and Standing Still, which they had done just as a lark and like Richard Lester actually wrote the music for it, and they just did this quick little film. And a friend of theirs said, well, you should put it into the Edinburgh Fringe Festival just because just it would be fun for them to see it. So he put it in there, and then it kind of grew, and then it won an, an Oscar. So, And then he directed a film called It's Trad Dad, which he did for uh, 55, I think he did it for uh, 65,000 pounds. He shot it in four weeks, this full, a full-length film. And it was basically like a... Uh, it was, it was a, you know, it was a exploitation film of the trad jazz music scene that was happening at that time in England. Dixieland music was very, very popular in England at the time and everyone was tootling away on their clarinets. And so this movie was like a cash in on that. So that's of course why it was done very quickly. And, you know, but it had like sort of all the stars of the day yeah. in it. Uh, Acker Bilk and Chris Barber, all these British act, you know, uh, trad jazz musicians. And so, so he had all these things under his belt. He had, you know, comedy experience. He had, um, the music, then quickly directing like a, um, exploitation film as well. So that, so he was brought into the project. And then, uh, Alan Owen, who of course he knew from doing the Dick Lester show, who had become quite a well-known playwright, he was from Liverpool. And so, know, it was kind of the well-known, like, professional Liverpudlian, you know, sort of, you know, if you need someone from Liverpool, you get Alan Owen, right? And so, he um he was brought in to to do the to the the uh, screenplay and what's interesting is he actually traveled for a while with the beatles like he went on tour with them just so he could interact with them and figure kind of see how they acted and see what their life was oh, like cool. as a band. all right and so he um he so he kind of developed the kind of the main theme of the film hard days night which is that the beatles are prisoners of their own fame mm-hmm. and there's a scene where um John Lennon said this to him but he put it in the mouth of uh, Paul McCartney's grandfather in the film which is that their lives were a room and a car and a car and a room and a room and a car mm-hmm. that's what John Lennon described their lives as to him and he just that's a great quote so I wrote that down <laughs> and uh found its way into into his so, so we're getting now yeah, properly so let's just, into let's talk about the a hard film. day's night. Well, yeah.
0: let's just go. Let's just go uh, in general. Sure. First, first of all, with A hard day's well, night. Let's
1: cool. go. Let's describe it scene by scene from the very beginning of the film.
0: <laughs> I think we should do minute by minute. Let's um, let's, let's do that. <laughs> uh, other people have done that with Star Wars. They've uh, made yeah. Star Wars minute podcasts and just do a minute at a, a time. But we're not going to do that. I would say um, by far uh, this is their best film. I think they started uh, they started with their best film. Because I think mm-hmm. this one represents it. Really, was who they were it's at the not, time. It's not
1: the top of my list of, of their films, but okay. It's not my favorite. Okay,
0: but I think it's. I think it is the best all. I would
1: around. say the in terms of yeah in terms of all round production quality, and quality. I think it holds
0: and, as yeah. as a movie in itself. I mm-hmm. think it's very funny. Yeah, I think they. I think it almost has a Marx Brothers. You know, uh, it uses
1: uh, them very well. Yeah, which I would say, unlike the next film, right? It, it t- makes very good use of them as a group, and and it creates characters for them that I think... It basically kind of created our impression of who the Beatles are.
0: Now, now the interviews that we know of them, you know, where they're saying they're going to open a hair salon mm-hmm, and, you mm-hmm. know, are you a mod or a rocker, I'm a mocker, that came before this, right? Yeah. Okay. So it felt like, to me, what you want with a, with a film version of... Yeah. Like, whenever they do a, a film version of a TV show or a film version of a book, you want what you love but more so. Yeah. And in the context of film mm-hmm. and using that well. And I think that's what this does well. Like, it takes... What you know, no one acts out of character. Yeah. they're just much, much more in, in character. Uh, the one flaw and it's not even a flaw of this film in particular, but it's a flaw of the films in general, I think, is that they, they, they're all ringo-heavy. yeah, you know and I think and I'm just going to make an assumption here, and you can tell me whether I'm wrong or whatever, or maybe you don't know uh, that because there was a bit of a rivalry between John and Paul, where you had two leads yeah. there, you know, who are you going to make the lead of the movie? You know, uh, John or Paul, you got to make a choice. You can't have the two of them going out and what, like they want the same girl? What are you going to do? So so the safe bet, you can't go with George. He's the quiet one. We got to go with Ringo. He's the lovable one. And unfortunately, almost all the movies then push Ringo into the focus and you miss out on, you know, those guys.
1: I would say this film does that the least. Like I, I mm. if you think about how much screen time is given to Ringo in this film, I know it feels like a lot, but because Ringo has the he has he has the adventure
0: kind of he has
1: that adventure, but it's really not that much longer than John Lennon's scene in the bathtub. Oh, that's George's fair. scene in the production office. There was a scene that Paul McCartney did, uh, but it didn't work very well for the film, and so it was cut. So mm-hmm. his his kind of starring section was was cut, just because it was too contrived for. It was forcing him to be something that he wasn't, you know, and rather than playing to their strength, it kind of kind of exposed the weaknesses of, you know, of of their as actors, you know, and and, because it was okay when they played themselves. But if you tried to expand from that, it really left them... It was also
0: smart in that, unlike some of the other films, which we'll get to, Mm -hmm. they did put the focus on them. It was always back to them instead of other people doing funny stuff around them, with the one exception of the grandfather. Yeah. You know, who, um, as we've said in previous episodes, was best known for Step, Toe, and Son. Sure. Uh, where in Steptoe and Son, and again we've said this to death, but in case it's your first episode, in Steptoe and Son he was known that which which you might know was remade, or you might know of as as what was remade in Sanford and Son in yeah. the states. Yeah. So he's a junk dealer, and he was known in that as a dirty old man. So in yeah. this they call him a clean old man as a little bit of a joke, and they sure. just run that into the ground. But it's <laughs> still funny every time you. But he's a
1: good he's a good machine to keep the plot keep the plot. He's moving. the bad boy. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's yeah. the
0: guy that keeps getting them into trouble because you don't want the Beatles themselves to be jerks sure but we need to get them into trouble how do you do that That's they have right. a friend it's it's a standard movie trope of the best friend who is the guy who gets mm-hmm. you into trouble now the good people have to go along for the ride and though the beatles aren't angels at all in this no they're not
1: but and the but the film is good at it gives them something to do like there still is like lots of scenes of people being funny around them victor mm-hmm. spinetti as the television producer uh i don't know the actor's name it's something hey who played the tv executive who produces the show uh, that where George Harrison kind of wanders in they think he's applying to be on this show with this girl you know and he describes it as grotty and uh you know that those scenes you know the the, the actors are are funny and where and George George's character is all, he's almost a straight man in that scene where he's just sort of you know rea- reacting to what's happening with this sort of but what's good about which isn't film, a bad
0: way to play George
1: no it's not a good bad way to play any of the characters yeah. but what's fun is that also gives them time where we just have the Beatles being fighting together like on the train when they're tormenting the 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 uh, city gent the tory gent who didn't fight in the war for the for you fellows you know or didn't fight in the war for this and um which has one of my favorite scenes in the entire film where they're which suddenly is- running outside the train mr mr can we have our ball back, can we have our ball back? <laughs> and then there's a scene where they're they're carrying ringo under their arms along the train corridor yeah and i thought oh I- because i hadn't seen the film for a while i I thought oh i guess they're going to cut to the man looking at the door and they'll see them walking by with ringo (laughs) and they don't so it's kind of a mysterious scene of them walking down the train aisle carrying (laughs) ringo under their arms you know and then they don't really pay it off in any way it's very strange um one thing i noticed when i was watching the film is is um you know the six it's a 60s or it's a 70s you could say is is how often people fall down like Mm -hmm. george takes a terrible tumble well, the, the the very first scene of the film when they start, they're running on the sidewalk. Yeah. George trips, and then John Lennon I think falls over him. <laughs> and you're just like, like if that happened in real life, you just your hands would be all no. Scuffed. Cement was much
0: softer back oh, then. And, it was much and, it's, uh, it's much newer sidewalks back then. They got harder over time. And
1: then when the girls are chasing them into the train station, yeah. One of them falls, and a bunch of girls run over her. You know, so it's just like, oh boy, this film like took no. There's no safety, obviously. It was just no. Whatever happened, happened. Like. Good luck. Good well, luck to you, sir
0: Well speaking of uh, the girls running and what have you yeah now to me like this is the Beatles first movie. you've yes. got all these young girls in the audience watching this movie mm-hmm. like the second the Beatles come on screen and you've got a group of girls in the audience they're gonna scream like it's a horror movie to <laughs> yes. me right yeah. yeah so it seems very smart like you want to do one thing off the top one you, you got to play a song sure we need the music right off the top mm-hmm. but the girls are gonna be screaming over it uh, okay and then what what so what do they do on screen? they have a bunch of girls screaming. So you have these girls in the audience probably screaming and then these girls screaming, but then you have, you know, so, so, but that all goes for a while to Mm -hmm. the point where you're not screaming anymore because these girls take over the screaming and then we just cut to the next scene and the Beatles are doing the thing and that shuts everyone in the audience up, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's not insulting to the girls who are running and screaming here, but it's like, that's the first thing and you match it up and it's like anything, if you had done anything else off the top and just show the Beatles relaxing at home the girls in the audience would scream so much that you probably would not hear a word of dialogue. Yeah. And it was mostly
1: actually a happening. Like, it wasn't planned. It just, there really were girls everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's never a scene in any of the films, There is whether it's Help or Let It or a Hard Day's Night, there's never a scene where there wasn't huge crowds of people watching what was happening. Right. You know, and screaming and making a big, big scene. But it was so nice that
0: they, it's like they acknowledge this is what you mm-hmm. know of the Beatles. Yeah. And now, what happens? What happens after they've been chased? This and now it's sure. we're we're joking around, but we're also working, and we're also and we're, you know, you really got. I think it would have been a very satisfying film yeah. for the girls who came to see it to see, and then the boyfriends who got dragged along who weren't as big a fan, they get laughs out of it because you got this old man doing these uh, the shtick and stuff, and it's funny for them too. I think um, it's just a funny film. Well, like it's it's all it's a real crowd pleaser. It's not like. You know, you've been dragged—not saying dragged—and this might. I, I, one thing I like about this show is I hopefully it's evergreen. We don't mention things that you go like, whoa, when did you record this show?" Yeah. But you've been taken to a, a One Direction movie, you yes. know, and I and 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 I'm betting that it was not—it was for the fans, yeah. and not for anyone else really. Whereas this film, I think. Could appeal to just people who enjoy yeah. want to go see a comedy film, and even if you don't like the music, eh, you know the song's gonna be over in three minutes. Don't worry about it. We're gonna get back to some
1: funny business. Sure. Well, but the One Direction film is a documentary of, okay. of their tour, whereas this film is what Richard Lester he called it factional factionalized. Mm-hmm. So it's partly fact and partly fiction put together. So that's why he put in a scene very early in the film of the beat of the Beatles running outside along beside the train because he wanted to say to the fa- to people watching the film. This is not reality. Yeah. You know, this is fantasy. And here's an example of fantasy of people who are, were in a train car are certainly outside a train running along beside it and then are r- marching down a corridor carrying one of their one of their uh, band members under their arms. Yes. You know, so this is the kind of film it is. So it's it has elements of the Beatles' real lives. And then it also has obviously there's jokey elements are, right and they
0: have a lot of nice word play and they have some physical business mm-hmm. and you know i've always i've always sort of felt like the beatles to some degree especially when i see john you know it's like a frustrated uh comedy performers you know as it feels like oh that's nice they get to they get to do that aspect of things in this too they feel they seem very comfortable yeah in in, in that I, I don't see paul as much whenever i see paul doing comedy i'm like Good try, buddy. Good for you. But like uh, John and Ringo, mm -hmm. I I see like that's good timing.
1: George George as well, I think.
0: George George is good. Yeah. George is good with like the waiting for it and then coming in. Paul, to this day, whenever I see him in a like a Saturday Night Live
1: sketch or whatever, it's Mm -hmm. just like, all right. It's nice to see you, Paul. Good for you. Well, Paul's biggest weakness actually was his desire to be good at it Mm -hmm. you know he was a boyfriend of of jane asher who was an actress so he went to plays and he was exposed to the actorly life and so he had some ambition to be very good at it whereas the others their ambition was to get Well into it.
0: the 80s, yeah. Like where he is, mm-hmm. you know, talking about it, he's, he said that, you know, that was like one of his regrets was he didn't really pursue the acting thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then he tried to do some acting and everyone went, "We, you're a great musician. Do we enjoy you <laughs> as a musician.
1: We'll, we'll see you soon, buddy. It's it's fine. Whereas Lennon went on and, and actually did do, did How I Won the War, played a played Private Gripweed in that film. Okay, I have A seen Richard that. Lester film. Yeah. And uh, we weren't required to. But he played... Uh, private grip reading that and Lester actually said to him you know you'd be very good like if you wanted to pursue this as a as a career you could be a very good comedic actor and Lennon said I guess I could but it's all really rather silly isn't it and to which Lester thought oh my god we're only the first week of the film and he's already thinks it's <laughs> you know it's, and uh, yeah I don't Lennon did not have the personality to be an actor like and doesn't have the hunger he for didn't it. have the patience well that's it you know I mean one of the biggest co- cause the problems on help was the how bored the Beatles were making it Mm -hmm. because there was so much waiting around. Hard Day's Night there was lots of waiting around, but it was interesting because it was all new. It was all new and fresh. The novelty had worn off by the time they did help, and so there was a lot of pharmaceutical help to get them through the boredom of that film. And when
0: we get to that one, yeah, we'll we'll get into we'll get into that one. This one, yeah, this yeah we 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 in the past also broke down. And maybe we'll get to this at the end of this, where it's like, what drug fueled each film? <laughs> and this one, you know, they were getting a little help from uh, amphetamines. You were saying in the sure, yeah, course, which yeah. was, you know, and again, we're not when saying this with the, any judgment. Yeah, we're not a couple of parents going tisk tisk tisk. We're well, just kind of breaking down. They what... weren't.
1: They weren't addicts. They they used it as a. They used it professionally. They because if you look at the schedule. Their incredible crazy schedule that they were you know going through at that time. Yeah. You know, not only were they making a film, but they were touring and going on television and recording songs and writing songs and also living their lives. And so, you know, it took a lot of energy to do that. And so, to get energy, which they learned when they were in Hamburg, when they had to do eight hours eight hours of, of performing, was it helps to take prelude, preludin, which is a type of amphetamine, that will get you through. All you know, all this work. But right. if we were
0: if we were doing any more of these podcasts, that's what we'd experiment
1: with. But like, I, <laughs> but like I say, as you know, as the, they did it professionally, they didn't do it recreationally. They weren't addicts. They weren't shooting up speed. They weren't taking it for fun. They were just taking it because they needed to to get the energy for it. And you Unlike look, you, you look later at on.
0: you look at this film, and there's a lot of energy in this film. There's a lot of running around. There's a lot, there's of, a lot of they're young and physical. Yeah. Whereas later films. A lot of sitting around, a lot of standing, a lot of. Uh, there's well, no... it's
1: truer to their lives. You yeah, that's true are, as well. Yeah. But I'm
0: just saying this is a this is a young person's film. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of running, a lot of business. and and this film definitely wow inspired so much of you know especially musical comedy and and whatnot. I mean, oh. obviously things like you know the Monkeys TV series, what have you. Like so much stuff sprung out of the this. first
1: these these two Richard Lester films definitely yeah. almost all. All of MTV. Well, he got a he got an award from MTV as the as the uh, grand I think it was either the grandfather or the godfather of of MTV. He right. A, he was given a certificate.
0: Yeah, because you can and take said, you uh, can take the musical segments in here and run them to this day as mm-hmm. music videos, oh, sure. and they hold up completely. Oh my gosh! Yeah,
1: yeah, totally. Um, this film, slightly less than than help, I think, which uses more uh, almost a more abstract. Um, is this film is pretty practical in how it presents its its musical performances, mm-hmm. even though they happen kind of magically. But that's part of a musical. That's the trope of a musical, right, is that, you know, a song's going to happen anywhere. So you can be walking down the street and suddenly you feel like singing and and tap dancing with garbage can lids on your feet. That will happen. You know, it will not happen in real life, but it's acceptable Absolutely. in this world of the movie.
0: I think the type of comedy, too, I mean, this really did expose... American audiences to a certain British type of comedy, sure. uh, the, the just this verbal wordplay, you yeah. know, almost Shakespearean, this has a double meaning, you know, mm-hmm. and we're going to flip this and, mm-hmm. you know, this little wisecrack, like just the sarcastic, small, little wisecrack after someone says something, it's almost an under the breath yeah. type thing, which you really didn't get in American films, where everything was, you say what you, mm-hmm. what, uh, set up. Punchline, set up, punchline, everything okay, yeah, had a reason. That's true. And this felt more casual dialogue, mm-hmm. mumbly. Like it's, it's weird. Like what it almost feels to me, and this is a strange comparison. If you watch the old Popeye cartoons, yeah. uh, Someone will be saying something to him, and he'll just be muttering something under his breath. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not the main joke, but it's the under joke, and the yeah. under joke is actually funnier than the over joke. Yeah, and that's what you've got in this. You've got both running simultaneously. You've got the you know they're they're playing poker and they're doing you know they've got some business going on with that. But then you know all these little zingers going on through it that are uh, they're just fantastic. And I don't think uh, I I don't think that was around you know in uh, well American film at the Amer- time.
1: American films were very were very talky at that time. American comedies were very talky, Mm -hmm. because what's interesting about Lester is he he does bring a wordplay element to it, and obviously that probably comes from Alan Owen puns,
0: which you really did not have, I think, in in a lot of uh, American, You know
1: that that's a more British thing. Sure, but what Lester brought to it also was a physical comedy, Mm -hmm. which you don't, which was very new. I mean, like the stuff with um with uh, Ringo's scene. There's a lot of physical and Misunderstanding, uh, misunderstanding yeah. comedy and stuff like that. That's not spoken, just you just get it through people's reactions and things like that. And it's a very Buster Keaton element yes, to it. Yes,
0: ve- very much. I'd say it's got, it's got very Buster Keaton. Uh, especially when I see anything going on in a train, I think Buster Keaton. <laughs> uh, and the running, you know, yeah. what, what was it again? What's the film I keep forgetting where he's being chased by all the, uh, Seven Chances. Seven Chances. He is the guy being chased by all the brides. Yes. You know, it's very hard for me to see this and not think of that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, very Groucho esque dialogue, sure. a lot of, you know, little sure. wry comments, yeah. you know, and things. You know, Groucho
1: would go for a pun. That was commented on quite a bit actually at that time. Is right. The, the- they had a Marx Brothers element to them because it was four of but them. Then the, so but then,
0: but then the Marx Brothers style, I think, in the states went away. Mm-hmm. And but the the Punish comedy never went away in England. No. And so it it felt kind of fresh yeah. to someone who you know at the time when are you seeing your Marx Brothers film festivals at film festivals? Yeah. That's it. That's the only time you'd sure. be seeing them. There's no TV.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, no, if you listen to British radio comedy at that time, it's very, ver- well, obviously verbal, it's on radio, but mm-hmm. it's a particular kind of verbal humor. Well,
0: that's- to this day, it's very, it's very punish, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's very punishing. Very punishing.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Much like that joke. Um,
0: <laughs> I, I have a bit of a British background. <laughs>
1: or so it was, as do we all because we grew up in canada yeah which when we grew up had a very close relationship to england so we got a lot of british culture and i'm like gonna say shoved down our throat it's just we gladly we embraced it because like the most it roared which we saw a lot on afternoon television but also lots of other ealing comedies and things like that that we saw that you know people in the united states probably have never seen those films or if they did they had to really take notice of them and, and make a an effort to find them, whereas so almost fell in our lap, right? You know, just oh, it's eleven o'clock and they're playing the Lady Killers on, on you know CBC. Well, I
0: think I think you know I'm talking a little bit about Canadian culture, which again is where we're we're coming from. We were more open since we since we were, and I'm not going to again say shoved down our throat but we're you know we're saturated with american television yeah but we're also semi-saturated with british culture as well so we were open to other influences and 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 you know what's this what's that okay mix it up and we're not wait a minute ours is the best and you know uh, you know we're the best country in the world by gosh And it's like now nah, we're fine whatever what do you got some music over there we love your american music you got british music bring it over well you got some american comedy sounds good british comedy Sounds wonderful. Yeah. And then you talk to your American friends and they've never heard of Python, you know, unless yeah. they live in the north and they're getting it on the UHS channel or on PBS and they're just picking it up. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, when, when we're talking about, in the past, albums that you have, a lot of times Americans don't know the albums that we got here, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, as we've said, the British albums were different than the American albums.
1: Yeah. Um. Yeah, well, the other interesting thing about the train part, just to bring Sure, go bring back it to the around, train. Uh, ...is um, I didn't... Well, almost right away, uh, there's some schoolgirls on the train, and so we almost right away see Patty Boyd, who became George Harrison's wife. Oh, neat. She's a blonde-haired... Uh, she has kind of a long, long blonde hair. And, uh, yeah, so she, I guess, a friend... She wasn't really an actress... But a friend said, you know, I can get you in this movie. I know someone and we can, I can get you in it. So she's like, oh, okay, so you can be an extra in the film. So she doesn't have a speaking role, but she has a pretty big part. She's in the a bit. She's standing and looking at them when they're in the, when they are uh, in the carriage in the kind of, I don't know what it's, what it is in the, in the locked root ca- cage in the carriage when yeah. they're playing cards with, with the grandfather. Uh, the, and the girls come and watch them. And then suddenly it kind of morphs into them playing music. Um, she's there for that as well. And so I guess at the time, George was very interested in her. But she had a boyfriend, and so she wasn't very interested in him. But he eventually won her over.
0: That is a heck of a boyfriend. That you're
1: not interested in the beetle. Mm-hmm. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. I don't know how long a resolve lasted, but apparently. Well, no, it's married. none of our business. They were married. Yeah. Um. Oh,
0: sorry. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm absolutely fine. Uh, I'm trying to avoid puns myself right now, so everything's fine. Uh, Andrew Boyd can sing. That's all I kept oh, thinking okay, was that. Okay. Now, now it's done. We, it's over, all right, everybody? There, moving on. Uh, so anything else on uh, on a Hard Day's Night? No, I think we said all we have it's, to say. Uh, you know what? It's all in all, if I was to say, it's a, it holds up as a a great movie on yeah. its own. Of course, an amazing soundtrack. You know, that's the thing. You've got a great movie, and then, by the way, your soundtrack's outstanding. And uh, there, I think, I, again, it's my... It's not my favorite of all of them, but I think it is the best of all of them. And if you're just going to go watch one of these, you should watch all of them, but watch, uh, watch this one first. I know and if you haven't th- seen it yet,
1: get out there and see it. I know what your favorite is, and it's my least favorite, but that's...
0: Oh, interesting. Is it head? Is it uh, the monkey's head? Because yeah. I'm, I'm
1: including that for no reason to this. <laughs> um, one of, well, I'll say one more thing about it, and this is true of all, all of their actorly films, which is, is uh, their stellar cast... Like there's no attempt to like hide the Beatles behind, you know what I mean? Like just put them with the very best, which I guess helps if you have mm-hmm. really good actors doing, you know, doing the stuff with you. You don't have to worry about uh, about it. Um, not you know, you know, you, just, you know what I mean? Like if you have two bad actors acting together, that's terrible. But if you have one, you know, sort of a good actor and a very good actor, yeah, the you know there can be a rise to the occasion sort of yep. situation, or the person can help them along, kind of like Haywire with the actress who's. Name I don't know, but is not a professional actress. But mm-hmm. she's surrounded by, you know, people who... Bill Paxton. And, and she just
0: does what she does well. And yeah, and she does... Which is a she, lot of fighting, which is very, very, very well done, yes. So, uh, the, we're going to review Haywire right now. That's no, right, let's, uh, let's let's go through another H film instead and uh, <laughs> move on to Help. Yes, Help! With an exclamation mark. Yeah, so hot on the heels of uh, of Hard Day's Night, because... but And yet they look radically different. Because... Not just because they're in color in black and Not white. Not just but because they're in
1: color, but its I mean, it's so, its kind of so funny that even at this point, you know, they're still like, well, the bubble's going to burst. Any minute now, the bubble's going to burst. <laughs> we got to cash in when we can. We got right. three pictures going here. By the way, if this Let's was any other group, work. you'd be right, probably. Yeah. Well, that's true. I mean, Hermits Hermits did one film, and then uh-huh. I doubt anyone wanted to see this. Yeah, I invested
0: one. all my money in Hermits Hermits. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh,
1: so it was annu- like, so October the 30th, 1965, they announced they were going to make this new film. And then it was going to be a comedy thriller. By the way, let me just ask: uh, "Hard Days Night" was it a hit? Yes, very big hit. Very good. Yeah, Moving on. Very big okay, hit. so of course and you're going to do another one. Why not? The album was like huge even before the film was uh, was like.
0: So all all systems go. Yeah, yeah. So at this point, it made lots
1: of money. I mean, it cost. I think it cost around two hundred thousand pounds to make it. So it grossed well So in it's made of it's that. made
0: its money back by this point. It made its money back in like two days. <laughs> yeah. Two days. Just by people in the in the movie theaters dropping change out of their pockets.
1: Yeah. That made it. It made its money back. That was back. enough. It made its money back just from the album being released. Now, so.
0: when, when you make that much money, uh I, again, these are questions you might not be able to answer, mm-hmm. but I'm going to throw them out there. Sure. Uh, does that mean whatever idea you come up with for your next film, the studio goes, yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do it. Of course does. is. We're fine. Yeah, it's okay. We're, We're... not going to give you a bunch of notes. We're not going to give you advice. We're just going to go, 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 go. Well, okay.
1: That you're, you are the first film got no notes because you're forgetting that they didn't care what the film was.
0: Right. They were going to make money on the soundtrack. They were
1: going to make money on the soundtrack. And same with this film. They really could care less about the content. Okay. But
0: now that... Okay. Okay. But here here's what could happen with that. Your first film, they go, I, we don't care, we're going to make all the money on the soundtrack." Mm-hmm. But then the film makes money. Yeah. Now instead you've got two cash cows. Sure. Now all of a sudden, if you're if you're the farmer and all you cared about was the one cash cow and don't care if the other one dies in the field, yeah. but then wait, both are really paying off. Mm-hmm. Now by the time you got the two cash cows, you care about both cash cows. No one's going to go, sure. "Let's not care about that movie. We're going to make our soundtrack money" because you've got a great yeah. source of income with the film but
1: your cash cow isn't the film or the record your cash cow is actually the beatles and so you have to keep them happy too okay right i mean i know they're signed to a contract but they had they had they could refuse to be in the film as well mm. they, they had some say over what they did and so i mean you had to had to have richard lester involved because he was had a connection to the band right you had to and he's very competent that, that's right. And so, yeah, and you had to have a, a, some sort of storyline or something that appealed to them, although the Beatles actually had no idea what they were doing when they did help. No one told them what the film was. They just went in with barely reading the script. and Was this because they
0: trusted everything because the last one went so well? I, or I, they were busy with other things? They were
1: busy with other things. And I think movies, by this point, other things had, was, were really more important to them than, than acting in a film. Right. They, they did it. They were in a film. And they did and, great. And it was great. It was a big hit. Now you have to go back and you have to stand around for eight hours on a set every day. And, whoa, wasn't this fun? I mean, because, you know, like, this is their vacation. This is, you know, this isn't like, Mm -hmm. you know, when they're not making the film, they're touring and doing all these other things, too. It's not, it's not like they were just waiting around in their in in their house. And then someone said, you want to come down and do a film? They said, okay, you know, i got a few spare weeks. They're like, okay, can we shoehorn doing a film into this, you know, crazy schedule that you're already doing? And... Not only do you are you going to make this film, but instead of like getting to enjoy yourself, you're just going to be sitting around watching people move lights around. Yeah. Again, it's Have one fun. of the yeah. Well, yeah, <laughs> and it's one of those
0: problems you can't complain about to anyone else in the universe. Except, no, of Except to your uh, friends.
1: Except to yourself or to your friends. And yeah. You kind to of say, the other three. This is this is boring. Like, whoa, boring. Yeah. like we ever-
0: And then everyone goes, hey, "Hey, guess who else has a boring job?" That would be all of us. <laughs> yeah. How much are you getting for yours? Oh, that's fantastic. How many girls? Of course. Okay, that's great.
1: Of course. Good story. But the thing is, is that...
0: <laughs> Good talk, Beatles. But the thing we're, is... We'll that- be over here. Uh, I got to go uh, clean those dishes yeah. for for you, for sure. uh, your meal. But you
1: want to be in a movie. They don't want to be in a movie. They want to be making music. But they want it so to be in a instead movie. Instead of doing what they were wanted to do, they yeah. were doing what they didn't want to do. So it doesn't matter how much you're getting paid... When you get lots of money for doing that, which you like doing, and you're getting lots of money to do what you don't want to do, which would you rather do? The one that you get paid for and you love to do or the one that you are getting paid for that you don't love to do? Mm. So, you know, of course, it's a minor complaint. And I mean, they didn't publicly complain about it or say, woe is me. But just, you know...
0: And by the way, the movies are how the, the the now the movies are making money for the album as well. Like you're, I mean, you want this album to sell sure. your movie being a hit. Sure, it gives you more money on the album. Sure. I got you. Let's talk. Just uh, let's do a general thing about help before we get into okay. the deeps. So, of course, what do you think of help the film in general?
1: Uh, well, I would consider. I mean, okay, here's the thing: if you're going to criticize the movies,
0: oh, we're starting that way. Okay,
1: if you're going to criticize the films, yeah, criticize them like in term, relative terms, right? All right. Like I would rather watch help than almost watch any other film.
0: Wait, are, you know any I mean? other film, period? Yeah.
1: yeah. Like, I'd rather just put on Help and sit and watch it than watch anything else. Okay,
0: all right. And I mean, like... Or, or, That's or, a bold statement. Or A
1: Hard Day's Night, or any of these uh, of the other films. Okay. Like, I would rather just put them on and just be doing something and just have them on. Oh, in the up. background kind yeah, of thing. I can look okay. up and I can watch, listen to the music, and I can enjoy the, that the Beatles are there. Is it because it's, so, comf- it's a comfort? No, I just... Because I love the music and I, I love the Beatles, so I like to see them... This see them being the Beatles. So okay, that's what this film has in it. All right. You know, I'd rather watch this than watch Alien. You know, I'm not. have watched Alien. It's a very good film. Right. But I'm not going to throw it in for the fun of it because it's not that fun a film. Okay. You know what I mean?
0: But like, what? Like, I don't even know what an what a film would be that is like one of your favorite films that is not Beatles related. Okay.
1: Sure. But like, you know, it's one of
0: you know, it's what like an Evil Dead Two. I know you'll enjoy an Evil Dead Two. Sure. You would rather watch uh, Help than yeah. you would rather
1: watch that. For sure. Oh, fair enough. Okay. And I do like them both a lot, obviously. Yeah. And I and I would put... And I'd probably say Evil Dead 2 is a better film than Help. Mm-hmm. But I just mean, in terms of like... And, you know, here's the thing. You e- can... And enjoyment. A, a, I'm
0: not saying in terms of quality. Yeah. But yeah. like, uh, you know, someone likes a Big Mac. And I can't justify... They can't justify, oh, it's a better meal than this delicious steak film mignon. one. Yeah, you yeah. know, but uh, damn it, I want the Big Mac. You <laughs> know? And, and that's fair. Okay, that's yeah, fair. Yeah. So if that's what you like, that's what you like, you yeah. know? So, so... But so I will say... You know, the heart picks what the heart picks. Saying that
1: help is a failure because it's not a great film. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not a great vehicle for the Beatles. Like what they intended to do and what they got. I think they got what they intended, but I don't think they thought it through properly. You know, cuz Richard Lester said that you know, you couldn't do another Hard Days Night. Like they didn't want to do another you know, kind of documentary style or this is happening to them now. Right. With their public lives. Their private lives were too were too x-rated like you couldn't talk about the drug use you can talk about the groupies and stuff like that right.
0: so by the way go into the drug thing let's just go the, the last one was speed this this movie was fueled by oh, definitely pot this is a pot but, i
1: mean just for the beatles okay. no one else is doing it right they, no i'm not and yeah, just, you know
0: and again you want to you want to like pat everything you know here and go like okay but 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 yeah. this one is a definitely a pot
1: film definitely mm-hmm. yeah and the beatles um yeah they're not all there Mm-hmm. They're not all there through the film. They're
0: not all there through the film in in many ways. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I think that's the flaw.
0: Sorry, was there anything else in general? You were I was gonna just going to say. So,
1: Please. so, um, so it was decided that what they needed to have then was to have a plot that happened to the Beatles, and they were there, but the things were happening to them and around them, and they weren't the center of the film, right? Or the center of you know so. So it was totally different. So of course they were thinking, oh, well, we're still the stars of the film. We're still you know, it's gonna be like Hard Day's Night and they go into this film and, and they're just kind of witnesses to all this other action happening around them. Right. And they're the straights. They're the almost oh, the straight people, yeah. Which is not which No, which I think is a mistake.
0: sir. That's not how you do it. And that's what I mean. Yeah, you don't want a, a you misstep. don't want a Marx Brothers movie where everything's crazy going around, they're all and Groucho's going, This is nuts, huh? <laughs> right. Look at these yeah. uh, wackadoodles. Yeah,
1: yeah. And yeah. so <laughs> so they had like instead of so I guess Alan Owen, for whatever reason, you think they would want him to return. But I think because they wanted to go in a different direction, and he was kind of your kitchen sink dramatist, you know, working in that kind of, that kind of uh, style of, of the early 60s. Right. They went to this guy named Mark Bem, and he had written, he'd done the storyline for the Audrey Hepburn um, Cary Grant film Charade, which is a very good film. Okay. I have not very seen that Very good film. One. And it's kind, of a, it's kind of a spy comedy. Right. And I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. And so and so I think they wanted his him to kind of craft something similar, sort of a spy film with that with a light touch to it. So it wasn't, you know and of course what was very popular at the time was James Bond, so they wanted to kinda of cash in on that and do kind of a little bit of jokey joking around with that element as well. And so then but but then uh when Lester uh, you know, kinda of got his director's hands into it, he brought in a writer named Charles Wood. Uh and he would go on to write, um, for Tony Richardson, he wrote the screenplay for The Charge of the Light Brigade. And for um, Lester, he also wrote uh, another film for, oh, How I Won the War. Okay. And so he came out of a particular uh, style as well. And it's not really, it's kind of a comedy style, but it's that 60s comedy style that I'm not totally. I don't think it's very funny actually. Like I really think sixties comedy took a nosedive. And I don't know why.
0: It just doesn't hold up. It Maybe at hold the up. time there's it was. There's a, a f- lot
1: of movies from that time period that people that were popular movies at that time that I think I can watch and my face does not move, you know, like Casino Royale, the original Casino Royale. Yeah. Um, Another James Bond. What's Mons? New Pussycat? Okay. What's New Pussycat would be one, uh, The Loved One. And there's these films with big casts of people. All kind of yelling, and then there's generally something that happens with a lot of people driving somewhere, yeah, all in different cars, kind a lot of, of busyness, something. Yeah. yeah. But it's never funny, you know. There's a
0: now. Would these be watched in a drive-in, maybe? And so you don't care? Would that be the kind of thing? <laughs> I don't know. And so every time you look up, something is occurring, but you don't have to follow the plot.
1: Is that what? Is that the era we're kind of looking at? Maybe I don't know. I saw the Road Warrior in a drive-in, and I think that's. You know, there's a lot happening in that film that you like, have to pay attention whenever to. I, so.
0: Whenever I hear about movies, about the people talking about, like, and I went to the movies at this time, and uh, it was always a double feature. And we mm-hmm. went to the double feature, and you'd stay, and then you'd watch it again, and you'd watch it again, and you watch it again. So possibly... Because you miss
1: a lot of it, because the pe- windows were fogged up.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, well, that would be the drive-in. But I'm talking like if you went to the oh, movie okay. theater proper, yeah. and you sit, and you and they just keep running it over and over again. Yeah. So you don't want something that's too, you know, uh, it takes too much attention. It's almost TV of today, where you go like, how do people watch that sitcom? I mean, nothing really happens, and it doesn't, yeah, but it's you know it's something on in the background that you enjoy yeah you know and it's fine and so you go and you sit and you're just happy to be at a movie theater and you're waiting for the next film to come around because it was like the tv of the day i'd sit for you know six to eight hours just
1: you know eating food and watching the thing i guess so and help suffers from that similar style i feel where it has it uh has this kind of um That kind of caper element, where everyone's—it's very silly, and a lot of stuff is happening, but there's no no stakes. But yeah, there's no stakes, and there's no there's no construction to it that makes it work. And then you end up at the end of the film with the kind of mad dashing around and things happening, but there's never again no stakes. Never any sense of what. Here's where and no payoff. Here's where the
0: movie goes south. Like it starts, it starts. They go to
1: the Bahamas. Oh no 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 no. That's here's,
0: south. Oh, very good. Okay, yeah. Well, Thank geographically, you're, you're right. Please
1: write letters of of uh, By the way, that'd be <laughs> a fine
0: British joke in the '60s. Well done. You mail that joke back to 1965, <laughs> buddy, and that's going to do well. Um, so here's here's where it goes south for me. Is okay. It starts fine.
1: They're playing the music. Yep. Um, that's the- that's that's great. That scene, opening scene yeah. with the black and white film with them playing. What kind of focuses on the ring and then it pulls back. And you're, you feel like oh we're just watching, them. and then the darts start to hit the screen, yeah. and you're like oh all right now we're somewhere good. now that's we're cool. somewhere okay this is nice and
0: visual. But then it's where it's great to me is uh, where they're talking to the older ladies, and uh, they're kind of bad mouthing the Beatles, and the Beatles show up, and then they're they're being nice to the Beatles, and then they they go into the four doors, yeah, and it's like oh you know what. They're just regular people. Mm -hmm. They're regular people. And they open, and inside is a surreal wonderland. The kind Mm -hmm. that as a kid, you're like, this is the fort I would build with my friends. Everything's cool. Paul's got... Uh, he's got comic books you yeah. know on his thing and he got a sunken bed and all this stuff's going on and it's just yeah, like vending machines oh and- man this is the yeah. best and you're like that's right it looks surreal and weird and that's what you want you want the beetles on the surface look normal yeah and that but if we if we if we go into a, a plane where the Beatles are in it the plane inside will be all crazy and it'll yeah, be yeah. all this stuff and you're like that's great fantasy fodder you're like what are their lives like mm-hmm. we can't say they're x-rated lives yeah. but we can say they're surreal weird lives and you're kind of getting the idea that things aren't normal for them that's great all the focus is on them and you're like here these guys go and they're going to have an adventure and by the way this is where the monkeys you know kind of went yes that and then but then every monkey's adventure was basically a focus on the monkeys which was right where they go wrong with this we focus on the girl she goes I'm not what I seem and then everyone else is funny but them for the rest of the film yeah now everyone else is surreal and like you say they're the straights and it's like dude did you see the opening of your film you had it right now let's see oh you know they should have weird things in their pockets
1: and everything looks right on the surface but they're but they're weird in this film they should be the bugs bunnies of the film absolutely they, they should, should be. be they should be the tormentors. They of... should be the Doctor Who's. Mm-hmm. Yes. So these these villains are trying to get them. But the monkey the beetles, sorry, I won't say the monkeys, the beetles are too slippery for them and they get away or they because of their intelligence or or they can do whatever. They can put a, a big black you know, circle on a wall and walk through it, but right. no one else can.
0: It's the mistake they you know, make yeah. with. Well, it's weird you bring up Bugs Bunny. Like in modern day, if you see a Bugs Bunny cartoon, he's the straight guy, mm-hmm. just kind of like going, "Wow, what's all this about?" You know, it's like, do yeah. you know who yeah. Bugs Bunny is, That's you right. fools? Or Mickey Mouse? Yeah. Mickey Mouse used to be an agent of chaos. Yeah, you know, in the early films, and then and then he's this, you know basically got a day job. Now he just hangs out in front of Disneyland in a suit yeah. and has to wear tux every night and he's really sold out. And it's like, that's what feels like the Beatles in that's this. Right. It's just like they just, they, they walk into a scene, someone does something funny, yeah.
1: they nod, acknowledge it, something yeah. happens. Well, they do stuff that's funny too but it's it's almost, it's almost subversively funny and it's almost like they're just playing their own kind of game in the scene. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like, So things like, you know, well you failed again haven't you, jeweler? Well, jeweler and stuff like that, you know, that scene or, or, um, the, uh, or, when George is laughing up his sleeve in the bathroom scene after the after the uh, hand dryer turns into this super powerful suction thing, and yes. George is like la- ha 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 ha, he's laughing up his sleeve. They don't say I'm laughing at my sleeve. They don't even comment on what he's doing. Yep, it's just there as a as a joke. Yeah,
0: and that's the problem. That's like again modern movies today where the where the where the plot isn't funny enough. Yeah. So you let one of the actors improvise and go oh, off for a no while terrible. and just do little asides, and it's like, well, that's fine if your main plot is okay, but Here's here's where I here's where you, you you can judge whether it's a good Beatles film or bad. Yeah. Hard Day's Night. You take the Beatles out and you put any other band in. Does that film work? Answer: No, not <laughs> at not, all. No. Only the Beatles could do that film. Yeah. You take you you put the Beach Boys in this movie. Yeah. Aside from the opening scene where they've got their clubhouse, and this film yeah. does not change at all really. Aside from the little asides. Yeah. This film runs smooth. You put Herman's Hermits in here. This works fine. You put the zombies in here. This works fine. everything's fine you know so meh (laughs) it reminds me it reminds me of like you know every cartoon that came out then like in the 70s where it's the band that's traveling around and they're all the straights and then they get chased and who cares you know who cares it's it's fine you know and again i I like them they're charming mm -hmm. you know and the music is outstanding yeah but yeah they 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 made a big mistake i think with this one
1: yeah you know you can you like i say when you listen to to richard lester talking about it you feel like oh okay you can't you know i can see what you're trying to do but you did it all wrong you know and even and and not having structure to the film and i know that's like i said i think that's a problem that was sort of endemic to 60s comedy like this the inability to to this is the idea that anarchy and chaos is in itself hilarious mm-hmm. and it's not it's not funny at all like this thing's getting smashed is not funny it's funny if there's it's funny if there's, you know, it's like that scene in W.C. Fields and It's a Gift where the blind man comes in and he's smashing the light bulbs and all these glass things in W.C. Fields' store. Well, it's funny because it's, you know, putting him and it's putting W.C. Fields in peril. But he's he's trying to be polite to his customer who's destroying everything and he's trying to protect his, his, his goods, yeah. that, you know, or his, his livelihood, you know, and that's the humor in that situation. You know, there's the more modern example, uh, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. There's a scene where Pee-wee, you know, steals the bike, and then he's riding through the, the, the movie studio, causing, you know, chaos and blah, 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 which it's not that funny. I know some people find that stuff funny. Mm-hmm. I just don't find that funny at all. But what sells the scene is after all that stuff, then there's the, the fire in the pet shop. So yes. you have all this nuttiness that if it just had kind of ended there would not be any good. Right. But because you cap it with this fantastic scene of the fire with the snakes and all that, you know, and it just works so great. Then that's what sells it all.
0: Well, you've—I mean, but with, a with, with pet help, shop, you've got steaks because you care about adults. That's burping. right.
1: That's <laughs> right. And in, but help—it just you know—it's just craziness, and then it it ends. And again, and there's it's, nothing. Everyone everyone happen. becomes
0: bulletproof cartoon. Mm-hmm. So who cares? Like in the first one, for you know it. it it's a bit surreal. The first film, you know, it's yeah. not reality. Yeah. But you know, what's the what's the stakes? Ringo won't make it back in time for the show. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, that's oh no. You know, but even I mean,
1: that is like twenty minutes of the movie. Like that's gotcha. almost over by the time they start doing. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But
0: at least it's something, you know, and it's yeah. something semi-realistic, and I buy it. Sure. In this one, you know, what, who are these crazy characters, and what's going to happen? And I know that's not going to happen. Yeah. So, ah, eh, who cares? <laughs> you know. Exactly. But again, it, like you say, it's an enjoyable watch. Yeah. If nothing else, for the music, it's nice seeing them walking around and being themselves, and they seem to be having a fairly okay time. Their eyes are quite red in HD, if you look at it <laughs> in HD, and this is the problem with HD now, is like, it really shows a lot of sins, yeah, you know? Yeah. It shows your wrinkles, and shows what you were doing before
1: the take sometimes. I don't so. have it in HD. I have this crazy package that uh, it has, it's all packaged in a big slip case, uh-huh. and then it has this it has a booklet of the film with a poster and and the little stills that would have been shown the lobby cards yeah and then it has um uh, the script with it as well oh nice and then it and then it has two discs for the film but i don't have it on on okay Blu-ray.
0: well i will be happy to lend it to you and you can <laughs> okay. uh, watch it
1: nice and crisp <laughs> but okay this one one more thing before sure, we sure. move on if we're going to move on is that it's funny i was watching it uh, last night actually it was the last film that i the uh, second last film that i watched and um and my my daughter came in my youngest daughter, and it's actually her favorite film of the ones that she's watched. This one is, yeah, help. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it's her favorite film, and she really, she just came and sat down and started watching it with me, and uh, and was really enjoying it. And because to and I, you
0: told her you're wrong.
1: I didn't say she's wrong. I just or I just feel like. <laughs> but you're saying it's it in podcast form. She'll show up. Uh, yeah, that's strange. But uh, very passive aggressive of me as a father. <laughs> but what's it? But I mean, I appreciate the fact as long that as she gets us it. another listener. That's fine. you know, I enjoy it too, right? Yeah. So I'm. You know, when I make these comments about it, absolutely. Then again, I'm constantly putting it on and just having the, it run. There are
0: so many sitcoms from the 70s that I will watch now in comfort and go, "Yeah." And if you like hold my feet to the fire, I'll go, "No, it's terrible.
1: I understand that." But I still really like it. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I don't think it's terrible though. I, th- I think- No, no, no. And speaking of like uh video and like music videos, that film is Absolutely, absolutely It uses the the form. It, it kind of creates music videos in a way more than Hard Day's Night does, because mm-hmm. it creates you know puts them in situations like in the Bahamas a where they're singing run, or, the rocks, or
0: skiing, yeah,
1: or the the Ticket to Ride sequence, which apparently was filmed. I think it's about a hundred edits, and but when they filmed it, well, one thing they had a terrible time filming where they were because there were so many crowds around them. It was hard to be, you know have. Footage of the Beatles without having lines of people all over okay. the place, and uh, Richard Lester said the first thing he learned to do, or the first German he learned there, was to say to them, "Behind the get behind the trees, please." Right to the people watching, so they weren't always in, in sight all the time. And uh, but he so gave... just
0: remember that when you're watching it, the trees are full of Germans. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so basically, they they filmed the uh, they filmed two parts to it. Um, They did, you know, they had sort of the main plot of the film, and then then the music sequence, the Ticket to Ride sequence. And that was given to the editor without any direction at all. You know, Lester just gave it to him and said, just see what you can do with this, and uh, then we'll, you know, we'll look at it when you're done. And he said, he edited it all together, and they changed three three parts of it. And that was all. And the one was just to add the musical notes to the line, because they could not get rid of the telephone wire that's in this one section. Oh, okay. And so they added the musical notes to it to kind of give it some. Oh, clever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're very clever. I mean, there's lots of good things in the film.
0: Oh, absolutely, and again, you can take you can take scenes in this film, and and they're some of the best scenes you will find in a Beatles movie. Just I think, like on the whole, yeah, uh, a flawed conception, a flawed, uh, and and just flawed focus. You put the focus on the wrong thing, mm-hmm. and as you said, you made Bugs Bunny the straight man. That's a mistake.
1: That that's definitely a mistake, and also the mistake is just too, um, yeah, too much. Too much of the other actors around, and and here's here's another thing, which you know I think is a big
0: mistake. Make Paul and John romantic leads in this. You know, make them. You
1: know, let's. I know, I know that's a weird. That thing. was a that was a problem. I mean, it was because of the competitive element of it. Yeah, it was ah. hard to. It was it was hard, and it was hard to think of a film with. You know, the film's almost sexless in a way it i mean totally i know it is. i know it has it's just four guys
0: living together mm-hmm. and like you know there's girls that they're like oh ooh, but nothing nothing yeah, occurs, nothing occurs. And it's like you've got some good looking fellas here <laughs> get something going on yeah, you yeah. know that's a thing
1: we like in a movie that you could know sometimes that could have caused teenage girls to die if they had done that though so they probably, uh, well they, maybe they saved a life but i was look, i was kind of watching the film i was what i was thinking was like what a cast I mean, it's a great cast. I mean, Leo yeah. McKern is fantastic as sure. the leader of the, one thing I love that he does in the film is his, uh, Ang, his Anglican, like, uh, chanting. Like, he's, like, he's doing the, the, when he's doing the uh, talking, you know, da 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 da, you know, it sounds very much like I felt like I was doing communion, <laughs> you know, and, um, and then Eleanor Braun, who's so great, you know, and of course, she, of course, this maybe was her first film that she did. Okay. Um, she was part of like Britain's satire boom. You know, she was a member of the Establishment Club with Peter Cook. And, and of course, she was in Bedazzled. She was okay. the lead in the the, the, main, the main actress in that. Uh, the object of Dudley Moore's affection yep. in that film. And so By the way, fantastic. if you haven't seen Bedazzled, go see that as well. Not the... Uh, no, don't see, <laughs> don't see that one.
0: Don't see that one. You don't need to see that one. But see the see the original.
1: And then the this guy named John... I don't know how to say his last name. I'll to say Buffle... Who played the kind of side side That does
0: sound like a British name. The
1: henchman, the main henchman for for the Leo McKern character. He was in tons of, of Richard Lester films. Is a funny thing that happened to me on the way to the forum? Yeah. Superman three, your favorite Superman film. <laughs> uh he was also, he was in the, for the record,
0: it is not my favorite Superman film.
1: <laughs> he's in the Knack, which was another lesser film. He did, uh, a talent for loving that the Beatles were going to do, but ended up not doing okay. it. Like he was in that one as well. So it's kind of funny. And then, uh, Patrick Cargill, who plays the superintendent, you know, the famous Beatles, you know, and he was a very famous television actor in England and, uh, long time career as a, he's one of those guys you've seen. You go, Oh, I've seen him in a movie. Right? Yeah. If I've seen a carry on film, I've seen that actor, you know. And then, of course, Victor Spinetti, who was in Hard Day's Night, is in this film, would be in Magical Mystery Tour. Another fantastic actor. And so great in those roles in the film. Yeah. If only the Beatles' roles the had been thing. as good.
0: You gave me a delicious meal, and I yeah. ordered a delicious uh, steak. Yes. And so that's so good. And you gave me these amazing side dishes. Sure. And the side dishes are so big, yeah. I can't finish. I can't touch the steak. <laughs> you know? And it's like, that is a fantastic baked potato. Or jacket potato, as you'd say, in <laughs> England. Sure. Oh, what, what, the green beans, my friend. And yet... I cannot or see the jacket, steak.
1: Jacketed beans, as they call them in England. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Everything is in a the jacket <laughs> then because it's there.
0: very cold. That's right. It's rainy and damp. And you must <laughs> always wear
1: a jacket, even your food. Yes. And then one more call. One sure, more sure. shout out to uh, Roy Kinnear. Big He's shout out to Roy Kinnear out there. listen also fantastic. Yep. He's dead, unfortunately. Okay. But You uh, have to shout very loud then. You have to shout very loud. But he was in tons of Lester films. A Funny Thing Happened to Me on the Way to the Forum, The Bed-Sitting Room, which is a crazy film, a Spike Milligan film. Have you ever seen The Bed-Sitting no? Room? Insane.
0: We're by the way getting a good, uh, you know, for all the films we're talking about here. Uh, maybe we should make a list though of like this reminds me. See this film as well. Yeah, yeah. If you like this, see also this. I don't know if anyone would like the Bed Sitting Room. It's a nutty film. Okay, it's very odd, a very interesting film. Uh, I'm betting you can probably see it on YouTube or Vimeo or something. So go check it out for sure, free and see what you it think. Out there, yeah, yeah. All it's going to cost you is some of your it's time. It's a
1: post post nuclear holocaust film and so it's a rep- or apocalypse or whatever you want to call it where Both pe- are appropriate people, words, are, uh, yeah. people are turning into furniture <laughs> that's very okay. interesting. he also did juggernaut and then he was in all the three musketeers films and the fact that's where he died he fell off a, a oh. fell off a donkey doing the 1988 one I can't remember what it's called the return of the, the three yeah. musketeers or whatever it's not even a good film it's so unfortunate he fell off a donkey and then he died in the hospital of a heart oh, attack
0: it's not, never a good time to fall and off a donkey
1: and his death uh, was the reason that Richard Lester quit making films. Oh. Yeah, it's interesting. Holly was bad for the donkey as well. He's also in uh, Willy Wonka, The Chocolate Factory. What does
0: he do in Willy Wonka? He's
1: one of the dads. He's one of the dads. Very nice. And then um, he's also in The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Younger Brother, which is an underrated film. It's a really good film. I'm
0: trying. Okay. I know. Gene the. Gene Wait, you're thinking The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes' Smarter Brother.
1: Oh sorry, I should have said
0: that Smarter Brother. I, okay. I got it mixed up. Sorry. Smarter Brother. That with Marty Feldman. Yeah, that's a good yeah, film. It's got the you will you will hum the kangaroo uh I hop, love that part hop of it. thing. You will hum you that will is, hum you will hum it for days afterwards. That's
1: the best part of that film. I thought you were gonna say okay. you No no, you will hum it for a
0: long time afterwards. I thought you were gonna say it's bad, sorry. So uh <laughs> we've reviewed every other movie now except for the other Beatles, movie. So we're gonna get to it. Now this next film is not did come out as a film, but originally came out as a as a TV special. Yeah, right. Now, now, just to clarify, did it originally come out in color
1: or black and white? Uh, was as a bro- as it was broadcast At, well, the first time it ever was shown to it's the shown world. shown in black and white. Only black and white. Yeah. Okay. So there's no option to see it in color. The, well, it was shown a uh, couple days later uh, in color on a different channel. Okay, but a different time, and so, but it was you know it's premiered as a black and white film. Okay, and this is
0: all right. Let's go general, general before we get specific again. Yeah. So I'll go with I'll go with mine then this one because you went first sure. last time. Sure. Uh, that's ridiculous that you took such a colorful film and it, it was black and white. It's
1: <laughs> yes, of course ridiculous. So dumb.
0: Yeah, so dumb. I mean, listen, I know you know how to do black and white. I've seen you do black and white. Black and white isn't a bad way to go if you're gonna have black and white, but. Fair, fair enough, fair enough. The
1: problem was, is there was only about 30,000 color televisions in England at that then time. Then who cares? You run it in color, yeah. and it shows in black
0: and white, so you don't lose them anyway. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. She'll so show it in color. I'm just saying it, you know. You know, some. maybe you go to the one guy in the neighborhood who's got the color TV. You all mm-hmm. gather around his set. He goes, I'm glad I got a color TV. Now <laughs> I got friends. It's lovely. Sure. Okay. Uh, this film, again, the the music, good. Really good. This is my second favorite Beatles All right. All right. That's, that's fine. Uh, I think there's segments in here. So be Careful that, what you say. I think there's segments in here that are <laughs> just just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, what you're saying about music video, boom.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but uh does again has no stakes, and and I'm losing. That's really not. Yeah. Not and really I'm losing film, George, and I'm losing John. Yeah. And you've lost, and now I've lost half the Beatles for most of the movie. You know, and so that's that's a huge flaw to me in in this. Where like I want to see all the Beatles, and yeah. I want to see them interacting, and I want to see some sort of connection between them, yeah. and I lose that for the surreal. Oh, this is an adventure in an art film. That's fine, and I can take an art film. Yeah. But if you're making it the Beatles, I need to see the Beatles interacting together, and not just Paul sitting by himself and Ringo sitting by himself, and then John and George at the back of the bus seemingly leaving <laughs> about ten minutes in and going mm-hmm. off have. To do another film somewhere, I don't know where they went, but they left and then show up near the end with a really weird scene with a uh, feeding a lady with a shovel. I'm like, oh, there's there's creepy John, creepy John Lennon. But okay, you, what did you think of the film?
1: Oh, I, I love Magical Mystery Tour. I think it's a fantastic film.
0: Now, think... why why does it rank second for you of all?
1: Well, I mean, I rate I rank the films as like a Beatles experience, so I'm not ranking them as films per se. I'm ranking right. them as what you know, you know, you're experiencing the Beatles. So this film is. As close as you're going to get in this form to who the Beatles were, you know, Hard Day's Night and Help were movies made by other people that gave us the Beatles in quotation marks, you okay. know, they gave us our idea of who the Beatles were. They not weren't really the Beatles. I mean, John Lennon, you know, was very critical. I mean, not very critical. I mean, they liked Hard Day's Night. They didn't enjoy Help that much. But even as a film, they didn't think it was that great. But, you know, they they always felt like they weren't being shown as they truly were. You know, and maybe that's a good thing. Usually, do if, you really think? Do you think that's true with *Hard Day's Night*? Is that a fair? Comment? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not really them. It's someone's view of them. You and know, it, it, so you're getting, it seems so similar you, in humor style to them being interviewed, like to a degree. But it definitely softens John to uh, to a great great extent. Okay. I mean, John's humor was very crude, you know, and so you really couldn't show him as he was. All right, and uh, and even the other Beatles. I mean, their senses of humor is very dark, and so it takes out a lot of that element of them. You know, and they also, you know, in this film, Magical Mystery Tour, it's, you know, it's the Beatles. You know, like, John, Paul McCartney's idea, later on, after the film wasn't that successful, and even today, he kind of now kind of hems and haws, like, I'm not too sure whose idea it was. I'm not, I don't know who, who thought of that crazy idea to do this movie. Well, it was actually Paul. When Paul was in America, when he yeah. was visiting Jane Asher, when she was in Colorado, touring with the old Vic repertory company, he was visiting her there, and, and he was, you know, whether, you know, some of the people have kind of poo pooed it, but I think he was influenced by Ken Kesey's Merry Pranksters. Like this, you know, not directly by them, but just from the stories that he heard about them. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where you don't actually know what they did, but you hear about it, and you're like, "Well, that's an interesting idea. That'd be kind of fun if we did something like that, only to make it our experience." Yeah, you know, so rather than in a school bus. With this kind of weird psychedelic sign saying further on it, and people just sort of driving uh, on acid across the you know the United States. Oh, by the way, we
0: haven't mentioned the drug of choice for this film. Yeah, acid. Almost, acid. Yeah. Okay.
1: On. And so, um, <laughs> so I like that. There's a drug of choice. <laughs> so you know, his idea was, of course, have them on this mystery tour, which was a which was a popular holiday, a, you know, cheap holiday for British people what, in the fifties. Why don't you explain what that was? Well, what they would do is people would you know pay uh, some money and they would get onto a bus. And it would take them someplace. And they didn't know where they were going. Right. Usually they went to Blackpool. That was usually where you went. So you weren't really that surprised by your by, – mm-hmm. but basically it was an excuse to get on a bus, do a lot of drinking. Right. and You were then, never taken to a work camp. You weren't taken <laughs> – thank goodness. Because they would not have done very good work after all the beer that they drank. And then there would be entertainment on, on, the, uh, on the trip as well. All but right. You'd have your courier, who was the Johnny – Whatever his name is in the movie, or Jimmy, sorry, I should say Jimmy, whatever it is, Jimmy Johnson in the film, is that his name? The Sounds about right. Okay. Who's taught, you know, he's called the courier, and his job was to, he was taking you, you're the package, and he's taking you on this tour. Oh, all right. And so, and then there'd be a hostess, you know, and then there'd be entertainment. So when we see that in the film with Shirley Evans with her accordion playing songs that all, all of the Beatles would have known from their youth and yeah. listening to parents. Uh, sing, uh, doing sing-alongs and stuff like that. Right. I mean, that's something ghetto.
0: in, uh, in British culture we don't really have in North American culture, which is at the pub, at home, you
1: would sing. And it you depends. would know. You would know. But you my, my parents, or my dad, my dad grew up in a family that's okay. sat around the piano and sang. It depends where where you But you know what? You never, you, you never, while
0: that was happening, had to say to your neighbors, hey, you shut up. We're singing over here. <laughs> we can't
1: hear over your accordion. Yeah, yes, you because know, they weren't a- in terraced row houses. They had their own separate <laughs> right. residences. But so I'm so saying like,
0: right. it was a common thing in England that, that people would yeah. know the common songs. Sure. So when you're on a bus, no one's going, what's this song? Yeah. I've never heard of it before. But, you know, there's it's a like s- a hymn at church. There's a Everyone knows and uh,
1: in, in it happened one night with Clark Gable and uh, Claudette Col- Colbert. The Frank Capra film. When they're mm-hmm. on the bus, there's a scene where someone plays and they sing "The Man on the Flying Trapeze." Right. So that's not unusual. But
0: to this day, like it, it, if you if you go to a pub in Canada, yeah, odds are it's not going to break out into song. No. Whereas I have been at pubs in uh, in the UK in the last yeah. couple of years, and that does occur. Okay. So I think
1: culturally, oh, yeah. a little We've bit more ourselves. so. Yes. We separate ourselves from that time, but. Um, so, 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 what he did was he drew a circle. He when he got onto the plane and they're heading home, he brought a, <laughs> this is Paul, okay? Yeah, he brought a notepad from the stewardess and he drew a circle, just a circle on a piece of paper, right? And he brought that back to the Beatles and he said, "I've got an idea." And he held up this blank piece of paper and he said, "This is going to be <laughs> the show." And what we're going to do, and he, so he, you know, he said, "Well, you know, we'll do this here," right? And he drew it like a clock. So at this point, we'll do this. At this point, so now we have space in between here, and I want you guys to think of something that we can do mm-hmm. in between these and that was the the start of it. And so, you know, yeah, there's lots of problems with the film. They did not have they did not mark it for they didn't like have the clapperboard to mark for sound, for instance. Mm. So that was they didn't have any sound synchronization. They had uh, they had no script obviously. They had absolutely no plan. They rented a a bus which was late because it was still being painted and having the the lettering applied to it and it picked up some of the casting crew. Then it drove and picked up George and John and Ringo at their at their places in Esher. and then it carried on west towards Cornwall yeah and then and they had no plan. They had no script they had, they had nothing they had planned. But to me, that's what makes it interesting. That's what makes it fun is uh-huh. that it's just their them you know exposed like just doing whatever. and I mean the unfortunate part to me is that it was heavily edited even after they like they did like 10 hours of material which was edited edited down to 52 minutes of,
0: is that of, is that other material available anywhere? some
1: of it is you can uh if if you have the blu-ray of magical mystery tour you can see some of the extra stuff and some of it it's terrible that it, was, it was sad that it was cut out there's a there's a scene uh, or a sequence that was directed by John uh, that stars uh, nat Jackley, the rubber man uh where he's uh kind of being sort of lured by these women through this kind of weird like kind of rock formation and like you'll see a girl and they kind of do these sort of weird uh kind of gyrating kind of walk because he's a rubber man so he yeah. kind of walks in this weird sort of way and then when he approaches her she disappears and then he ends up in this pool with all these beautiful women and then of course all these girls in bikinis come out of the water and they walk towards the camera and they do this awkward climb up onto this ledge mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh it's very strange of course it's a dream sequence Because yeah. both the john lennon sequences in the film are dream sequences and um then there was a scene with ivor cutler the the uh bluster bud buster blood vessel okay the sort of faux courier on the on the trip and he sings this song very deeply intoned. he plays an organ in a field and it's called i'm going in a field that's what the song is called and it's just like i'm going in a field it's just this weird like very slow funereal song but with this really nonsensical idea And it's just like you're watching and you're like why did they cut this out of the film this is like fantastic so dumb if only you could have been there and said stop and there's also uh the band traffic uh contributed uh, a musical segment to segment 2 as well called here we go around the mulberry bush and it's not their best song but it is interesting and I, you kind of wonder why why was this put on the cutting room floor? One thing I can think of is that there was a film that came out called Here We Go Around the Mulberry Bush mm-hmm. that used that song. And maybe there was a conflict between the two. I now, I now know.
0: I, we haven't mentioned that the film doesn't end with a Beatles song. It ends with a Bonzo song. It ends with,
1: oh, no, it ends with the Beatles song. It ends oh. with uh, Your Mother Should Know.
0: Okay, very good. But the Bonzos have a, a big song at the end. That's right. They have the big, so a big number you know, at the end. Yeah. Um,
1: were there, any other, Carson. were there any other bands,
0: you know, saying Traffic, was there any other bands that were cut out of the,
1: uh, the No, movie? just the Ivor Cutler song and, and, the, and Traffic.
0: Yeah, it felt strange, like, like I like the Bonzos, but it was weird to, to, like, oh, we're doing a, oh,
1: this is not yeah. them, this is
0: just a band. Mm-hmm. It feels like, and now guest stars, <laughs> yeah. at a weird point in the thing where we've not had guest stars through the rest of it, mm-hmm. and now, at the very end... Or right before the end. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but this band. What? You don't put. Yeah. You don't put them there. You <laughs> put them earlier, and then we lead more to us. Yeah. I there's think a lo- lot of there's a lot of
1: errors. I'm not. You know, I'm not going to defend the film. Well, as there's like a there's film, errors se, in pacing. I,
0: th- I think it's like you like Laurel and Hardy, right? Yeah. Okay, let's put them on a bus, and so they're sitting together, and no, 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 no. Laurel's at the front of the bus, yeah. And Hardy's at the back, and what do they do together? <laughs> they don't. They don't do anything together. Oh, that's a drag because I like Laurel and Hardy. I don't yeah. like Laurel. Also, there's Hardy uh, doing some business over there, and that's think... my big problem. But is the like, Beatles—they're not the Beatles. Yeah, the they're Beatles they're the
1: individuals. The Beatles didn't want it to be like Hardy's Night or Helper. It's. We're the Beatles, and we play these characters of the Beatles. I
0: Understand, but it looks like that's not who they were. But it looks like so they you don't would have been even... even
1: more disappointed if they were together because they wouldn't have acted as they acted in Hard Day's Night or Help. I, well, you know, I, I maybe you wouldn't I have would. got that. You wouldn't have got that jokey well, mop do... top element. So they weren't the mop top, right? Weren't I get Beetle that, was but over. so
0: what I get is them not knowing each other. It seems like they all just happen to be traveling on the same bus but and you... unaware. Like like Paul, you know, is there sort of knows that Ringo's there, but you know, John and George. It really does feel like John and George are goofing around like kid school kids, I love and that. I'm all for that. Yeah, but then leave. You know, they're not around then later. And if you're going to edit the movie, yeah. then just edit it so we oh, see no. them at the end, so they're it, still there joking around. It was terribly planned. It's not terribly planned. It's terribly no, no, it edited. Was, it
1: was terribly planned. That's no, not even planned. No, no. It
0: was. It was very ably edited. It was just. It was edited with what they had. Oh, I disagree. I think you can. I think you can still, as long as you show show that they're still there, and you probably do have footage yeah. of the two of them there. Just, just to, just to give me the illusion yeah. that they've all stuck around on no, the no, bus they were, this whole they were time. There the whole time. But it feels. To, what it feels to me is like even they didn't want to be around on this, and they took off. Like if John and George left, why should I keep watching this thing? Wait, they're not. E- this is a different band at the end the whole band leave like what's going on and then oh no we're
1: back to your mother should know okay that john far. and george are there for the, the bonzo one
0: okay they're, that's that's they're fair center
1: stage for that
0: yeah that's that's f- okay that's and that's fair but then
1: like where are the others it's just i don't know, know I, I disagree with you because how many Beatles do you take away and it's we we still Ge- the beetles but we have george harrison sequence that's George is obviously there for that and oh, the no other Beatles are in that sequence Okay are you separating the, the those sequences from the rest of the film I'm just saying like together So those sequences aren't part of the aren't like so when you think of the continuity of the film you're not including like Blue Jay Way or I am the Walrus is
0: Okay I am the, the I am the it. Walrus is the one exception which really feels like and that's the most played, you know, piece now. Like, if you've seen anything from this movie, mm-hmm. you've seen that. Yeah, because it's Cause, great. Well, it's well, because it's great. But it's also the Beatles. Like, yeah. it's all four of them, full on, full in. Here we go, and then it's it's spectacularly shot. Like, it's great looking. It's,
1: it's weird. It's great looking, but also it's it's them. You know, like you get John doing his weird eye thing during yeah. it, and then and then uh, Paul pointing to Ringo before before Ringo starts playing. At the start of the song, he gives this kind of like, you. Yes. And then. I would love to have seen more of that in the movie. And then um, that fa- fantastic scene of them following the bus as it's slowly moving along. And then and then the characters in that long kind of, I don't know what it was, a reconditioned tent or something like that, where they're, <laughs> yeah. they're walking along with their, with their bathing caps on. And then the policeman holding their hands, walking along, and then the photographer following them. And it's all very, I mean, that's just a fantastic. Look, you can even,
0: you can go like, imagine that's so good that it justifies the whole yeah. thing. yeah. And you can't. And I know that's I your favorite that. song as well. Yes, so, I so would say that. you know, you've got double, but also double mother, down on. But also, that your one.
1: mother would know is a fantastic sequence as well.
0: Yeah, just by that point, I've lost faith in the film, and I'm. I guess by that point, I'm like, oh, I don't know if they know what they're doing. Now they probably don't. <laughs> no, they and don't. now we're like, oh, well, that's
1: nice to Anna, and we're done. It doesn't matter though, because what? it's so great. <laughs> well, what? what? Like, okay. all your complaints don't matter because it's great. <laughs> That's, that's what it comes down to. You
0: <laughs> would be a terrible reviewer. <laughs> P- possibly. Listen, Roger Ebert, all your complaints don't matter because this film is great. Yes. Good day, sir. I, would I say said that. good day,
1: sir. I will say that to anyone. Uh-huh. You know, like, I mean, I mean, sure, someone could, let's take a f- Well, listen, let's in take that a case, from- let me, t- no,
0: no, 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 let me, let me just go with what you just said, which yeah. is all your complaints don't matter because it's great. Yeah. You have now <laughs> negated the reason for doing any of these podcasts at all. Because no, you heard. could just start every episode mm-hmm. by going, so what we're talking about today, uh, okay, with the Beatles. Well, any complaints don't matter because it's great. And that's our whole podcast. Yeah. So uh, bye. Yeah. You know, no, I mean, no reason true, pointing though. out any flaws or like, any uh,
1: things that no, could have no, been and might have been. And You can point out all the flaws that you want. Uh-huh. But in the end, it doesn't matter. But in the end. Because it's great. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Like yeah, you can, like in that Beatles song. I'm and in to, the end, it's great. <laughs> and then we're done. Bye. I agree with you. I agree with uh-huh. what you're saying. It's yeah. badly paced. It's, it's weird. It's, it's disconnected. It's disjointed. It's fundamentally flawed. It's, it's fundamentally flawed. But in the end, yeah. it's great. It's a beautiful monkey that
0: doesn't have a spine. And it's just on the ground. But it's an adorable monkey. And I, I love would, him. So there we go. I'm talking about the monkeys again now. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Anything um, else on Magical Mystery Tour? Well,
1: there's a few other things. Please, this is, we, we can talk about it a little bit more because one interesting thing was, um, well, for the Your Mother with No sequence, they, uh-huh. they, well, for the I Am the Walrus part and the the chase. What about the chase sequence? That's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love that. It's great. Ring almost <laughs> almost driving the bus onto great. its side. Yeah.
0: You're showing me. Listen, man. You're giving me a buffet meal where none of these things uh, connect with each other in any way. Sure. And you can go like, those are great baked That's beans, fine. though, huh? How yeah. about the baked beans? It's like, yeah, the baked but beans are fine. If you're, a I picky. love this potato salad. Yeah. But over here, I think there's an eyeball in this stew. I don't know if this was intentional. And, th- and these trays are just empty i thought something was supposed to be here did this meal just get taken away like what's going on i ordered nice tea and someone just gave me a glass of nails i don't know what's happening but those baked beans are fantastic and you love the restaurant i wouldn't call a movie a glass of nails that would be very wrong (laughs) would you see a movie called a glass of nails if it starred the beatles Mm -hmm. if it starred the beatles you would yeah of course all right there we go and in the end it would be great
1: um (laughs) the they, okay, so they're doing the... Uh, so yeah, they, they By the way, could I that. just say
0: every one of these films is great to you then? Yeah. Fair enough, all right? Oh, yeah. like you can, By the uh, way, guys, if you're setting up a mathematical <laughs> scale, start with great. There you go. All right, there we go. All it right, only goes so we're up fine. From there, it only goes up from great.
1: Yeah. So I'll just say that <laughs> Hard Day's Night and Help are not my favorite films. Okay. Magical Mystery Tour is my second favorite right. Beatles film. Yellow Submarine is not my favorite Beatles film. Okay. So um, that's where I'm going with this. Okay. Is what I'm saying to you. Okay. It's... Doesn't matter what the film is. Mm-hmm. It's about what I'm, what I'm seeing of the band and what I'm watching. And what you're feeling. And what I'm feeling And when I'm watching Magical Mystery Tour I can't argue with your feelings When I'm watching Magical Mystery Tour I'm smiling Right I'm smiling at this film Because
0: This this is the strawberry debate You can tell me A strawberry tastes delicious Mm -hmm. I can convince you I can say This strawberry doesn't taste delicious It doesn't matter A strawberry is delicious to you
1: Yeah And I can break down All the reasons
0: why it doesn't But it doesn't
1: matter Sure You know when you're watching George playing Blue Jay Way Which isn't even like My favorite George song But Mm -hmm. just the fact that he has A sign beside him That says two wives And and a kid to support Uh is fantastic to me You know like I just love that I love Mel Evans Being there with the with the um the stuff being projected onto his uh, onto his stomach Mm -hmm. and the use of the prism lenses and stuff like that where the Beatles were you know because ringo was really into photography and so he brought he is director of photography the film and he brought like lots of lenses and things to try out little tricks right and stuff and just they, you know, it's just so much. Whether just experimenting or just trying things, you know, yeah. let's have some fun. Or oh, we missed the greatest part of Help, actually, which was the intermission where the Beatles they're just kind of bouncing up and down in the field and throwing <laughs> sure. flowers at the at
0: the camera. All
1: right, that's the best part of that movie. Let's okay, face it.
0: there we go. Yeah, you can face that. That's fine. Face it up. You don't think that's the best part of the film? No, of course I don't. Of course, uh, I the walrus is the best part of no, the no, film. No, no, I'm talking about Help. Oh, in Help. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay, wait a minute. You know what? It, no, I'd say one. I'll still say the the best part of of Help is when they go into their uh, flat. Tournament? When they oh, go into their okay, flat. Yeah, that's a and we see the surreal yeah, thing and he's right, playing. Right. It. Like the best part of help that's to right. me is 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 Paul playing the piano with uh Jimmy Olsen comics instead yeah. of music. I go, That works for me on every level, I love it.
1: But what I like about the intermission part is I feel like that wasn't written by anyone. That was just the Beatles goofing around. Sure, and, and, and this then, whole mo-
0: this whole film, this one yeah. is just goofing around. Just goofing around. For now, sure. now, quick,
1: quick. But what about John like sitting with little Nicola <laughs> and doing the doing the finger rhymes, you know, the whoops, yeah. Johnny whoops, Johnny whoops. I just it's super charming it's super charming it's yeah. super
0: charming I would love him and to have a, stuck
1: around for the movie <laughs> and it's an aspect it's an, but he was there for the film and it's just like kinda. you say it's kind of haphazardly edited so you know things like that kind of got left out right I mean they seriously thought it was going to take a week to edit the film mm-hmm. seriously they they thought that I mean, it ended up taking like I can't remember exactly it took many weeks. To
0: Nowadays edit it. I could see how they would take a film like that. I mean it's an easy fix. You just take a film like that and go like I understand we're going to like make em ups. Yeah. But like start an end point for each of these scenes mm-hmm. and we'll do whatever you want to get to the end point. Then we're going to have a clean edit. We're going to be fine. Sure. And just generally pace where this is going—the roughest of rough plots. You know, we're going to get there. If only they'd
1: done that. If, if only they had done that.
0: But you know, as artists, it's okay to take a risk, exactly. and it's okay for not everything to connect. And I've res- and listen. As much as this isn't my favorite, I respect this one. Mm-hmm. It's weird, and yeah. I respect. You know, I respect it more than I respect help. Yeah, you know, I uh, this yeah, one because
1: it's taking risks as an artist, right? You know, like-
0: whereas that one just felt too many safety safety mm-hmm. wheels on the bike. Yeah, you know. That's <laughs>
1: true. And this is right. this is fine
0: and it's crazy town and it's still it's still enjoyable that's right uh the scene yeah yeah boy i wish i wish they they had actually you know when you see i love the spaghetti
1: scene i think that's fantastic well i'm just gonna go like i wouldn't have minded more of that like Mm -hmm. every time you see john that's what i mean like the nat jackley sequence yeah. should have been there too to add more of that's that kind right. of you, you, sense of you know weirdness. the
0: thing is you can build up a taste for something mm-hmm. but the if you only get one of it and you get one of it so far i think it's near the end yeah, right near the end, yeah. yeah that's too far near the end man yeah. i need this near the beginning so you can like make me go oh this is the kind of thing i'm going to be into sure. and then sure. like you can you can go darker and deeper as you go along yeah. you watch like a you watch like a monty python film and you know you don't start with the guy exploding in the restaurant that's yeah. not your starter f- <laughs> thing you pace it out and you yeah. put it over there and you build your tolerance spoilers you- everyone spoilers No, but i didn't say what happened
1: specifically <laughs> maybe he's exploding with joy <laughs> who knows um so yeah so those sequences that i mentioned that we keep getting so i am the walrus yeah. the ra- the chase and stuff like that or the race um we're all filmed in like a in a, a raf uh, their Airfield, mm-hmm. and those big giant cement things are actually uh, flak barriers to keep the planes from getting hit by gunfire or by strafing from fighters and stuff like that oh, cool. during, the, during the war. And then they had a big giant hangar, so that's where they filmed the uh, "Your Mother Should Know" sequence as well as the restaurant sequence. And so they built this big giant staircase, and they had all these, they they brought in all these dancers, yeah. all these people. They were paid like ten pounds for the day. They just mm-hmm. brought in, uh, you know, various people from who were part of dancing uh, groups and stuff like that. So they all had their dancing dresses and their nice. tuxedos already. Yeah. So they didn't have to cost you. Bring your own clothes. They didn't have to cost you them, exactly. <laughs> and so we're ready to film it, and the generator blew. <laughs> So they had to wait five hours for them to drive back to London and yeah. then bring two generators back <laughs> for the sequence. So all these people were waiting around. Yeah. And it was just, you know, it was just a nightmare, of course, because they wanted to go. And people, you know, they're like, oh, please, just stay. Wait a little longer. We're going to have it all you. Ready know what? For you, You're going to be like in
0: that. a Beatles movie. Yeah, <laughs> Shut up. Shut I'm up, dancer. Sure. I'm sorry. Are there any
1: other dancers that would like to be in a movie with the Beatles?
0: i got to stay with the Beatles for five hours. Yeah. Well, Boo-hoo. they were with the Beatles. The Beatles okay. Were, you know what, though? You're going to be in the Beatles movie. So, you know. Hushed. Uh, Hush dancer. What's your better gig today?
1: So yeah, they finally got the finally filmed that sequence, which I think is a fantastic sequence. And what yes! I love about that what I love about it is John in that sequence, who is for whatever reason has plastered plastered on like the fakest smile you've ever seen. <laughs> and then he's not wearing his glasses, so he can't see anything. So he can tell that he's one, just being a goof and just doing this silly smile, but also that he can't see what he's doing. Yeah. And so he's just kind of got that a thousand yard stare of someone who everything's blurry. And uh yeah, it's just great. And like I say, it doesn't matter because it's great. Fantastic.
0: Now let me ask you one more thing about this. Uh, later, this got released in theaters. Mm-hmm. Was it an extended well, version or no? What was it was it?
1: just what it was, and it wasn't really released to theaters. It was. It became like a rental, so like pe- people who had like college film clubs and stuff like that okay. could rent it, rent the print, and bring it to their. And that's how they made a lot of money. Right. So it kind of moved Did on. Did it, to it the eventually roommate. make its money back? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Eh, for sure. Now. Well, the BBC bought it for 10,000 10, pounds. That's what they paid for the broadcast rights. Good deal. And they were—they apparently were expecting about 20 million viewers. Mm-hmm. They got 13 million, mm-hmm. which sounds still—it's a sizable Absolutely. Thing. But there was a movie called *The Square Peg* that was playing on another channel, which was a comedy from 1958 starring Norman Wisdom and Honor Blackman that got 17 million viewers in the same time slot. And uh, how and many then, people were in England at the time? That's a okay, quite a few. Quite a few. And then um, *Top of the Pops*. Mm-hmm. It's it it got 15 million.
0: I don't understand that at all.
1: Uh, that makes no sense to me. A TV show, a David Frost special called nope. "Frost
0: Over Christmas." Yeah, okay, that's fine. That got 14 million. Oh wait, uh, these aren't all playing at the same time.
1: And uh, no, you're not. No, talking these to... are all v- various times during the during the during the day. Okay, good, good. So I'm just I'm saying going, relative. There's no to, way Top yeah. of
0: the Pops is playing opposite the Beatles and Top yeah. of the Pops beats the Beatles. That does not occur unless yeah. something has gone wrong. Electronically,
1: and then uh, Brigadoon was also playing that night, and had thirteen point five million viewers. Oh, that's great! It's so, great musical, folks. Brigadoon. Musical. You ever seen Bri- Brigadoon? Gene seen Kelly. Good stuff. Van Van Heflin, I think, is in it. And
0: uh, I know, it doesn't matter, Dave. You know why? What's that? It's great. It is a great film. <laughs> not as great as Singin' in the Rain, but it's good.
1: <laughs> um, yeah, and so it uh, apparently it was in tw- <laughs> the Magical Mister Tour was in twenty fifth position in terms of viewing for that for that day. Okay. So not great. Not a great performance in terms of what they wanted. Um, and I think partly because the soundtrack had already come out and it kind of gave people a clue what was coming. Yeah. And they're like, I am the walrus. Okay. I don't need to see what this is because I already know. So there's that, the element of that to it as well, I think. But I mean, like I say, it doesn't matter because it's great. <laughs> okay.
0: So, uh, moving on from there, we're on to uh yellow submarine. Yep. And as, as you know, with this one, it doesn't matter because it's great. This is your favorite film. This one is my favorite film. I yeah. knew it would be. Why is that? Because you love animated. Well, because I was terrified by it as a kid, and
1: that's what makes you terrified
0: from the from the get go. Listen, it's it's like the very first the very first thing you got is the United Artists logo. Now, if you remember being a kid. Uh, Pink Panther cartoons use the same logo. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, normally you get a Mary Melodies cartoon, and it starts, with, we're all going to have a good time. Yeah. And United Artists was, <laughs> yeah, a monster is going to come and kill you. Yeah. <laughs> it was just terrifying as a kid. Sure. And it's starting with that, that and then we get into the Peter Maxi uh, style mm-hmm. uh, of art, and it's very similar to what, uh, like Sesame Street. Like by this, by the time I was watching it, I, you know, yeah. I had been Sesame Street had been influenced by this film and stuff like yeah. like that. So uh, I was used to this, and it was mm-hmm. like, oh, here we go. I'm I'm used to this, and then all of a sudden, all these people are being killed by these by these horrific monsters. Oh, okay. You know, they're being uh, like a mm-hmm. you got a fist that's flying through the air and smashing things. Yeah. You got a, an old man who's being beaten to death with giant apples now to be fair at the end of the film everyone's fine yeah. but you do not get that from the beginning of the film sure. and I'm watching a cartoon where a village of happy people are being murdered yeah. just straight out murdered by the most twisted monsters a little child could ever see so terrifying to me yeah. then later on when you're introducing you the know, characters you got your Frankenstein monster terrifying your uh, King Kong looks horror- horrific and uh, yeah real, uh, really scary stuff but I loved the music as a kid so I couldn't stop watching it yeah
1: it's funny when I when I saw it for the first time I was probably grade 4 maybe grade 3 or grade 4. Okay. And I I tuned in late. I just happened to turn on the television and found, found this on. Now did plane. you like
0: the Beatles by that point or were you familiar I with I think them? I
1: knew kind of who they were but okay. not not really. And um I kind of knew who they were. And so I just started watching I started watching it where where old young Fred comes into the house. Mm-hmm. And so it starts off with that very uh you know that very great kind of very surreal you know behind the doors there's a train and where he's, he's
0: he's uh following Ringo into a that's house. right yeah. yeah
1: and I just so when I saw that as a as a kid I just love that sequence so much that like immediately brought me into the film and I was like oh this is gonna be great I'm Totally into this film. And, and, you know, I was right. So I guess I originally did not see the Eleanor Rigby sequence, for instance, when, mm. I, when I saw it the first time. I didn't know what was happening Which in Which is Pepper gorgeous. Which, look at it now. Oh, it's fantastic, gorgeous. fantastic. Fantastic sequence. Well, let's talk a little bit about the film before... Could, could I... could I, I want to tie it
0: actually in a little okay, bit to... Sure. Uh, okay, you want to get general before we get specific? Yeah, I just want Go to talk general a little bit then. about okay, the film. Okay, and then I'll get specific.
1: Because before, before this animated film, there was an animated television series yes. that was done by King Features... By the way,
0: this was also done by King Features. That's
1: right. Yeah. And so Al Brodex was the producer, he was a guy who was a producer of the animated television show. He really wanted to do a feature film and he kept going to Brian and saying, you know, this would be great. Like, we could do this, do a a Beatles animated movie. He didn't have like a general plot yet. Let
0: let me throw one quick thing about the Beatles, uh, which I've mentioned before. The Beatles cartoon was the first cartoon to ever uh, feature, like, as their leads live. Uh, already existing people. Okay. You know, so okay. you might have like a Laurel and Hardy or something like, yeah. you know, later on, you know, but before this, they, they didn't. Everything was all right. just made up. Sure. And it was like, what, these are real people yeah. having the same crazy adventures mm-hmm. we've done? And you'd have like, Paul Frees did the voice I think of John Lennon. He did and, John and George. And not the best... Uh, mimicry, no. But okay for the time. Sure. Who was and just just as a quick thing, who was the person who was in that that was in this? Do you remember? Lance
1: Percival. Very
0: good. Okay, and we're moving on. By the way, go look at one of the Beatles uh, cartoons, Lance, and
1: you've seen them all. Yeah, all right. Lance Percival did Ringo and Paul in the in the television series, but in the movie, he just does a voice of old young Fred. Right. He doesn't do any of the Beatles in it. Um. So. Okay. So they wanted to. do So a movie. yeah, he wanted to do this film, and so finally, he convinces. uh Epstein, and I think Epstein was probably thinking, you know what? This is a good contract filler for you for United Artists, because we'll get a Beatles film done that doesn't actually have to feature the Beatles. I don't have to talk them, these impossible fellows, into doing a film. Because we talked about this. Um, I think when we were doing the Revolver episode, we talked about all the movies that had been, like a Talent for Loving, the film where they were going to be cowboys, cowboys, and then uh, the the three three sides of a personality or something like that mm-hmm. where it was going to be Ringo who had uh three different split personalities would we played by the other big be- by the other Beatles yeah and then uh
0: I almost I, I almost wish that one had been made <laughs> that sounds interesting
1: and then there was Jordan's Up Against It which was kind of incorporated elements of three shades of a personality or whatever that film was called and then uh and then also it made the Beatles into like bloodthirsty revolutionaries and they went to prison <laughs> and they were caught having sex and there's all kinds of very adult. And it was also very wordy. Yeah. It was very camp and it was very wordy, which okay. was not the Beatles strong suit. They, they needed not to speak so much in the films. So yeah. That was their that was their feeling anyway. And so, and then there was a couple others. There was a, a possible Three Musketeers film that had been suggested, and then also later after after Brian, this would have been during Apple times. Uh, John Lennon tried to buy uh, the Lord of the Rings. He wanted to do the Lord of the Rings, and so uh, there would have been his idea of the casting would have been him as Gollum, Paul as Frodo, Ringo as Sam, and George as Gandalf. Which I
0: actually think is pretty good casting. Is John
1: in this at all? Yeah, as Gollum.
0: Oh, good. Uh, John is Gollum. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's what he wanted it to. Okay, listen, here's here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, hi, everybody uh, who's out there. Uh, now, I'm not saying you'll be able to afford the rights to do any of that. Yeah. But here's what I think you guys should do if you're doing a fringe show. Mm-hmm. Find that script. Yeah. If you do not find that script, you've kind of got it, right? Okay, <laughs> you understand the concept? Yeah. Do Lord of the Rings with the Beatles. Yeah. Throw some Beatles songs into it. Sure. Mix it all up and uh, say it's a tribute to this film that never was. Because holy cow. Yeah, I don't think it would have been very easy that, to do a film oh, of that type at that time. That is making me so sad that that doesn't exist. Yeah. Holy moly. That
1: would have been interesting. but I, well, Holy
0: you know, moly, that would be interesting. Let's just take a step
1: back, though, and admit that the Beatles in no way had the acting chops to really carry it off. But it still would have been interesting. Who cares? <laughs> it wouldn't matter because it would have been great. Yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah. No, it would have
0: mattered. Oh, my gosh, that sounds like something.
1: So, okay. Le- we talked about this wow. a lot. La- wow. We talked about a Wait, bunch of these Wait, Lord films. of the Ringo. Lord of the Ringo, oh, there you go. There you are. There you are. Lord of the Rings. Um, we, we can talk about this later. Um, or, sorry. If you folks aren't going to do it, I'm going to do it in some form. Okay, go ahead. He's, writing it, out. he's writing it out. He is. Um, I, so I was going to say, we talked about this in more detail in the Yellow Submarine episode, so I don't want to go in too much into it. But sure. I'm just trying to say that Brian F. C. was in a very frustrating situation because all these movies were were kind of mooted and discussed for the Beatles. And then they looked at them and said, nah, they don't want to do it. Like they didn't really, what they weren't saying, but what they were saying was that they didn't want to do another film. Yep. They didn't really want to do another film. So, so Yellow Submarine was an opportunity for them to, have, to fulfill their contract and not have to be in the film,
0: yeah, and it's the best of the Beatles without having to use the Beatles. They took away one of the biggest flaws of Beatles films, which aside from the first film, was the Beatles. <laughs> you know uh, and they replaced them with uh, with with other actors uh, playing the Beatles the, the while keeping their
1: music, which is the best mm-hmm. which is the best part sure so so now, like I say, so Al Brodick, so he eventually convinced. Uh, Brian that they're going to do this film okay so they're gonna do a feature-length animated film Mm -hmm. but of course the Beatles bubble is going to burst anytime we don't know how long the Beatles are going to be popular they could end tomorrow they could no one could like them in a year so we got to get this done really fast so we're going to do an animated feature film in less than a year okay Okay. everybody let's do it let's start writing it right now and let's get it animated right so basically when the films went into production there was no script there was no storyboards they just started what they had was they had the rights to the complete Sgt. Pepper's album and any other songs that they might want to like pick and choose from some of the other albums. So they had a pretty free range. So, so what they started doing was they just started to animate the songs that didn't need any kind of storyline to them. Right. So they just started like losing the sky with diamonds, for instance. This is a very beautiful kind of abstract, uh, rotoscoped, um, you know, thing with the dancers and stuff like that. It really has nothing to do with the film. Mm-hmm. It just looks cool. And, uh, only Northern oh, song. Fantastic. Again,
0: by the way, that's my favorite in the in the film. Only Northern Song. Yeah, the way they do that one. That's
1: very very well done.
0: Very well done. Um, Eleanor s- me close second.
1: So then uh, they brought in this guy right. named Lee Minoff, and he wrote the story, uh, and it was his suggestion that they use Yellow Submarine as a as a as a. As a song, as kind of like yeah. as a as a, a hook to hang, or as a kind of line to hang the film. Yeah, absolutely, because it's it's a very much a story, and visual song. You know, it can, and it has lots of possibilities. So he came up with a lot of the ideas for for the the film. Most of the characters were developed by Heinz Edelmann, though we can talk about him in a bit. But he he kind of filled the cast of of characters. So the a lot of the monstrous creatures, a lot of the, the mean right. creatures were were created by now him. Now, did he?
0: Now, am I? Uh, I've heard a rumor about this, which is uh, that he he used to have a business card that said he was the German Peter Max. Is that correct? Well, this
1: was claimed by Peter Max, and no one else involved in the film agrees with this. Okay, no one agrees with it. Yeah.
0: Okay. The story. The story goes that he had a card that said he was the German Peter Max, and Peter went, "You can try not to rip me off too directly, yeah, uh, and take my name off your card, because you know don't be doing that."
1: Because Peter Max had his card that said, "I am the American Robert Crumb," and so Robert Crumb said to him, "You can rip me off all you (laughs) want, but please don't have me on your business card." Right. Yeah. But uh, it was
0: a great day for business card makers (laughs) because they kept like making new batches. yeah. Yeah that's where the money was in art
1: back then um, and so uh and then there were four screenwriters and so minoff l Al brodex also contributed to it a guy I can't remember his like lee mendelson or any name like that i can't quite remember him and then eric uh, eric uh siegel who later went, wrote love story he also contributed to some, some okay. of the screen and then another person contributed well, he went uncredited named roger mcguff who was a liverpool poet and he had been in a he was in a group called the Scaffold with Mike McGear, who was Paul McCartney's brother, Mike McCartney, who called himself Mike McGear. So you know, you gotta separate yourself what are you a little do? bit, exactly. And then later on, he was in a band called Grimm's that featured some members of the Bonzos, including Neil Innes. Unusual. Hmm. I like to bring in the Ruddles while we're absolutely we have to bring in that Ruddles connection. And so yeah, he was. He did a lot of the dialogue that was because he, he was from Liverpool, so he could kind of bring a certain authenticity to to yeah. what the Beatles said in the film. And some of the wordplay and stuff was him. It is it. a very pun heavy film. Mm-hmm. It is a very mm-hmm. wordplay heavy film. Yeah. It is, it is, and so it was directed by George Dunning, which I'm contractually obligated to point out was Canadian. Okay. And then the special effects for it were done by this guy named Charlie Jenkins. By the way,
0: Paul Dreesen, I believe, is also is he Canadian? Uh, he is Canadian. I think is an animator and he did some animation on that. And
1: okay, yeah, he must have just been a- an animator because was, was a, one of them. He was one there of the was main. There's a lot animator. of people yeah. that worked on the film. Um, and then Charlie Chaikin, he did a lot of the special effects sequences. So the Eleanor Rigby sequence he did, the Nor- Only Northern Song sequence that's in the Sea of Science, he did that yeah. as well. And um, and then uh, and it was he it was his suggestion to bring in Heinz Edelman, because he'd seen his work in a German uh, graphic design magazine. And he said, you know who would really help us? Because they were having a lot of trouble figuring out how to make... They didn't want to use the, the style from the cartoons, so they were trying to create a no. new style. Yeah. And so he said, you know whose style would really work? Because... This Heinz Edelman. We should bring him in to do the designs. And so he came in and brought in uh, that style. Now,
0: work. were the Beatles hands off on this? Yes, they had very little to do with it. Nothing to do with it? Nothing at all. So the first time they saw it, it was complete, or did they no, see they it along saw, the way? No, they saw
1: stuff happening along the way, and they were impressed by it. Well,
0: because it wouldn't be complete, because they were at the very end of it. They yeah. were impressed
1: by it, but... but uh, And there's two stories that kind, of, that kind of go along. One is that the Beatles didn't want to do their have anything to do with the voices yeah. in the film. They didn't want to take the time to do the voice the, the voice stuff. And so, and so they, and so that was, you know, they use actors for that. And actually in anthology, the Beatles say that, that they actually preferred it that way, that, that they preferred it to have more cartoony element to the voices than to have their real voices in it. And they thought it worked better that way. They were more Beatles than Beatles. That's right. That's right. The other story is Al Brodax, the producer of the film, didn't really like the Beatles very much. He didn't actually think very highly of them. And so he didn't want them to be involved in the film. So he just, they just wanted their music and he just wanted their, beatleness but he didn't want them to be actually be doing anything in the film so he wanted to hire voice actors i don't know which is true or which is not true so in the film uh ringo the chief blue meanie and parts of george are played by this actor uh voice actor named paul angelis a guy named john clive did john uh the comedian dick emery did uh hillary or jeremy hillary boob and uh lord mayor and max and then a guy named jeff Hughes did paul and then Lance Percival, who we talked about before, who mm. did George and Ringo in the TV series, he just did the Lord, or he just did, did uh, young old Fred, or and then um, then there was this guy named Peter Batten. So what what happened actually was they could not find someone to do the voice of George that they were happy with, okay. And they didn't want too much overlap between the voices of of the guys doing the doing the voices. So that's why they hired, even though like the guy who played um, uh, Peter Angelus, who who did the voice for uh, for Ringo he could do he could do all the voices if he want if he'd wanted to Mm -hmm. he could have done all the voices but then it would have been one guy doing all the voices yeah and then that sounds weird
0: it sounds it doesn't sound weird until it does sound weird yeah
1: Yeah. and so george dunning and the uh the super the uh supervising producer john stokes they own the film the company that made that did the animation for they actually there was like a company that did animation for ads and stuff like that and 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 uh sort of uh, instructional films and things so they and so they were hired to do this film and so but they were at a pub and they were just there and they heard this person speaking behind them and george dunning who john stokes said for a canadian had a wonderful ear um here's he said that sounds like george does not that sound like george to you they listened to him and they said yeah that sounds like george so they approached this guy and they explained who they were and they said how would you like to audition for a part in this film and the guy said well sure so he came down did it and they really liked him so he started doing the uh voice for it but it turned out he was a deserter from the british army <laughs> he he was uh, supposed to be in germany yeah uh doing a service there and he had deserted and so partway through the voiceover production he got arrested and taken away so that peter angelus had to fill in and do some of his do some of the george for him uh so he ended up doing ringo and george yeah kind of interesting
0: that is interesting
1: yeah so and then I'll just say one last thing before we get into the film. Was so this that was supposed be weird
0: for that guy. Yeah, so he went to jail, I guess. Like, yeah, yeah. And then you get out of jail it's and it's just like really liked
1: your movie. He wasn't credited. He oh. went uncredited. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't credited. Um, so, um, so yeah. So this was supposed to fulfill the Beatles contract, but actually, because they appear very little in it, United Artists would not accept it as as a contract as a contract fulfillment. And yeah. so, let it be became the final film of, okay. their, of their contract. All right, but let's just talk about the film as in a general. Way. Well,
0: I think like here's uh let me let me say that like, it does what I wanted help to do. It it, it corrects the mistake. Help. Yeah. Didn't, but as like I was saying, the best thing in help mm-hmm. is they all walk through the door. Like everything looks normal on the outside. Yeah. Walk through the door. Yeah. Crazy, crazy world crazy inside. Channel? Yeah. And what you get with uh, when you first see Ringo, he's in very much. He's in regular London. Yeah. Like, the the cops don't see the yellow submarine. The cop doesn't see the yellow submarine. Yeah. He's dealing with a cat yeah. and just thinks Ringo's crazy. And, you know, Ringo goes into a normal-looking house. Uh, young Fred follows him into the house. Yeah. And then things go bananas because yeah. things look normal on the outside. But inside the Beatles' world, everything is crazy. And it's it's Willy Wonka. It's it's nuts. Yeah. And and that to me was like, yep, that's exactly the right direction to go with. No. Totally. Outside, it's like this, and Eleanor Rigby and sadness. Inside, it's this, and no one else can see it unless you and, unless you enter this and world. And when the
1: movie starts proper, when they're on the submarine and they're going to to, to Pepperland, things are happening to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And like Ringo's on the on the creature out running around. And he pushes the button. Yeah, he pushes the button. Why did you push the button, Ringo? And uh, Paul... yeah, he was
0: asked that over and over <laughs> again. For the rest like, yeah.
1: and all you know, their hair grows, and, and they do it for the when I'm sixty four sequence and things like that. You know, so it's things are happening to well, them. Well, I
0: love I love how they're all introduced. You know, Ringo mm-hmm. is wandering about, which is you know you you love Ringo wandering about in in a hard day's night. Sure. This feels like almost a tribute to that. Yeah. Then we're going into the house. This feels we, like a tribute. We didn't
1: to- mention that the reason that he wandered about the way he did was because he was so hungover <laughs> when he filmed that that he could barely stand up. Yeah, and uh, that's with so in we, a hard day's night. In a hard day's not night, not in the yeah.
0: animated thing. The not animated, animated thing. character was not drunk. Not drunk because that alcohol would dissolve the paint. That's. Right. So it's terrible for cells. So Ringo wandering around—that's that's a good entry point for people who, mm. who you know we've just heard him singing the song. Yeah, right. Because the songs come on, so the, the, of course we should see Ringo first. Yeah, and he uh, there's a cop talking to a cat. We're in the real world and we're about to go crazy. Yeah. So Ringo is your guide to that. Perfect. Sounds good. Now we go in. First guy that you see is like we're taking you to the Frankenstein monster. And, uh, you know, he uh, he, he drinks the, the drink and turns into John. Yeah. And you could just, like, if if you're watching that and you're a fan, that's great. Yeah. You're just like, what? That's just crazy and great. And, like, okay, now this is what's going to happen. We're going to sure. meet all the guys. Yeah. George's surreal, eastern, yeah. Yeah, has you the know, eastern. beautiful, fantastic. Like, how are we going to get to Paul? Open the door. He just comes out like he's a rock star. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. cheering him, and he just looks like, like... Just, catches the bouquet. Yeah, catches the bouquet. And it's like, yeah, everyone's, you know... Uh, taking the pee out of of themselves sure, sure. you know and that's great that's like how you should introduce all of your characters one at a time mm-hmm. boom yep good job
1: oh, no no yeah, it's great and
0: fun. then we're on to the we're on to the the yellow submarine it's really cool inside if you're a kid that's neat if you're yeah. a teen you, you're loving the beatles
1: everyone yeah. aboard go yeah and uh oh i watched the i have the blu-ray of that and the, the sound is fantastic and the the mix of the the music is great as well. It's mm-hmm. it's so great to hear those songs uh, all s- separated out into six parts or whatever. And, and
0: they are they are like I know again it's not the Beatles' voices, but it's almost more the Beatles than the Beatles themselves. It well, captures their essence captures, to me.
1: Oh, it captures it captures our idea of who the beatles are obviously it's well, it not captures, who the beatles really are no but,
0: but it captures the idea of who they'd be in this kind of world in this surreal world they well, like hit the they hit the notes of like all it, of their it's characters it's
1: kind of a weird compromise cuz it it's them from Sgt. Pepper era mm-hmm. minus Paul's mustache like Paul doesn't have the mustache but in every other way it's them pepper era looking and then but that's good for clarification but it's, so you know but it looks it's, different it's their at, their behavior is is mop top lovable Beatlemania era you know so it it has it kind of has a great compromise of so it it, you know it fulfills our wish fulfillment of them for them to be Mm -hmm. still be trapped in amber in a you know five years ago and then it also has that you know but it has the modern look to it you know of to kind of capture that psychedelic period as well and then you know then of course the film is it's really well done. You know, it's actually quite funny and like like I say, there's a lot of wordplay in it, which the Beatles weren't comfortable with. So it's great that it's his actors who yeah. very glibly go th- move through all those all the the very wordy script. And as well.
0: uh, Jeremy is the Nowhere Man. Yeah. They do that. the The scene where he's like he's so uh over the top and then it ends with him just like doing that rotating on almost like a little record and yeah, it's so yeah, sad and yeah, heartbreaking yeah and you're like i even feel sorry for it. there's a monster in it at one point who's just in the yellow submarine and they're like look at him he's ugly he's yeah, so yeah, ugly and the okay. monster just starts crying <laughs> yeah, and then you're trying- like oh well they're going to be friends but nope they just dump
1: him out <laughs> of the thing it's like this isn't treacle we'll dump the monster and then he's in the land of monsters <laughs> and, yeah 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 and uh so you saw you saw now that i've told you you saw the sequence of the, in the Sea of Monsters where the monster's smoking the cigar, and it's playing that air, that Bach air on a, on a G string, and then it explodes. Oh, and that's the uh, that's the commercial. It's a it's a parody of the commercial for Hamlet cigars. Yeah, yeah. So I, I like I that's because I never knew that until I I read this interview. Oh, I'm George sure Button there's
0: so many inside jokes that mm. were not. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and this it's nice that it's uh, it's you can do an inside joke when you're doing enough outside jokes that it you know. That it covers it and it's yeah. and it's fine. Yeah. It's like it is a creepy film. Like there's a lot of weird. Ugh, I don't know where this is going. Stuff going on. Um, man, I just yeah, I just really like like to me. What it what it does is like if you have a Beatles movie. What can what can the movie do that is better that that is what in your head when you hear the song. And when you're getting into the surreal Beatles, what can you present now for me on screen that is that yeah. tops what my imagination is because if you can't. Then what's the point of me going to your movie? And this was, you know, I would say, nope, you've topped it. Like, I, you know, only a Northern song. What you've done in Eleanor Rigby. Yep. You've justified why I'm watching a movie about this. Because this I could not play in my own head. You're giving me something new. Yeah. It feels. And uh, and and I think that's one of the reasons I like it, you know, the best of the films. It's like, this really feels like new It's a step forward. It's expanding what we already love. It's concentrating what we love into its, you know, its most basic
1: parts, you
0: know. And that's funny
1: because for me, the reason it would come last on my list of all these films Mm -hmm. in terms of which one I like the most is because it's not the Beatles. I know it's their music, but it's not them. It's people's, you know, our projection onto them of our what what we want the Beatles to right. be It's not really the Beatles. You know, it's this kind of neutered version of that band. It's an
0: artistic interpretation of the Beatles.
1: It's an artistic, but it's also a commercial interpretation of the Beatles. So it's it's not a, you know it's mm-hmm. not just artistic. It's also yeah. very well. You've cagey, got as a move as a movie. Targeted. You want to be
0: commercial. If yes. you're just going to be artistic, you're going to be Magical Mystery Tour. Sure, and that's
1: what makes that great. Nope, and why <laughs> the, and why this film you know would be down <laughs> at the bottom for me just because it's not the Beatles. It's a bunch of people taking the Beatles music and making something interesting out of it but mm-hmm. it's not really the Beatles. But it's
0: still the best film of the with the exception of A Hard Day's Night to no, it's me. Not. No, you're wrong. <laughs> a Hard Day A Hard Day's Night is the best like film film. Yeah. This is I think the the biggest artistic risk that paid off to me. Whereas the A Hard Day's Night isn't a huge artistic risk. Yeah. It's a build on what you already know and it's a concentration of what you already know and it's the it's the best interpretation of that. It's yeah. an expanse. But sure. this just takes it you know, we're going to we're going to turn it up to 10 mm-hmm. and you know, this could have this could have screwed up so badly that it didn't is amazing.
1: No, I can understand because this yeah. is the best Beatles film for people who aren't that big a Beatles fan. But enjoy their music, but aren't interested in them. You but know? just so, want a good movie. But just want a good movie. And it is yeah. a good movie. Like, once again, my complaints about it don't matter because it's great, right? You so know, it's like, you're, it's a, still... you're in love with Jennifer. And Jennifer <laughs> isn't in this movie. But yeah. there's
0: a person called Jennifer, yeah. and it's got a different person's an voice. Actress, yeah. And I love Jennifer. <laughs> and any movie that Jennifer's in, I'm going to be in love with because I love sure. Jennifer. And I'm going to project probably things to Jennifer that I've I've already got. So yeah. that will take all my all my Jennifer movies up to great.
1: Fair enough, yeah, yeah. and I don't like this fake
0: Jennifer that's walking around <laughs> talking like
1: Jennifer. I get it; that's fair. Yeah. But no, I still love it because it's still the, it's still a Beatles movie, and it's still mm-hmm. great. You know, like so, like I say, my complaints. And it's got
0: some of if you're just going to separate it as like some of the some mm-hmm. of uh, if you're going to separate it as music videos. Oh yeah, it's got some of the best Beatles music oh, videos yeah. in it.
1: It's a fantastically done film, and for its time, I mean, things like them. Uh, rotating in perspective during the nowhere man sequence with Jeremy Boob's character. Yeah, and that's fantastic animation. I mean, that would be so hard to do. The sea of holes, the creation of that. Yeah, you know, just how difficult. And only it a was. Northern
0: Song, yeah, where they where the where the where uh, the submarine goes by. Yeah, makes a cross. You're like, is this symbolic of a crucifix? Yeah. Nope. It folds into a box. Yeah. What's going on with this? Now we're all a bunch of boxes. We unfold the box, and you've got the four Beatles faces. Yeah. And yeah. then we've got like a, a you know interpretation of sound going out of sure. their ears. Sure. It's just like.
1: Yeah, that's that's good stuff, man. Well and done. The reason that that was great stuff was because it was cheap to do. Mm-hmm. Just like in uh, when I'm sixty-four, because it was cheap to <laughs> do that all the numbers, which is a great sequence, having all those numbers counting up. To it 64. looks like
0: it looks like Sesame Street, and Sesame Street was inspired <laughs> by this. Sure, sure,
1: yeah. But the reason they did that was because it saved money and animation time. Oh, it was
0: limited animation. Oh, for sure. Whereas, More
1: than limited, it was. Now was, here's uh, now here's
0: another one of those questions you might not be able to answer. animation. Aside from Disney, was anyone doing animated films at this time?
1: Probably not. Uh, I think it really was the first film that kind of broke broke from the Disney mold. And in fact, was, there's was an, an interview with Paul McCartney, and he talks about how he was kind of disappointed with the film because because it wasn't Disney. It was it was this sort of different thing than what Disney right. was. And he really wanted a Disney film, and which shows you that Paul McCartney can often be wrong, you know, because it's crazy that you'd want something different than what you get from, from Yellow Submarine. I, I get
0: you, but here's here's where I think he might not be 100%. Least, okay, you and I both saw it for the first time on television, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So like if you're seeing this on the big screen, yeah. and you're, you're used to a Disney film which has that smooth animation when you're seeing... I've never seen this on the big
1: screen. Yeah.
0: On the big screen, this might Pretty look impressive. Little, it's still impressive, but it's not as... No, no, no.
1: It's super impressive.
0: Okay. Have you seen it on the big screen? Oh, yeah. Screen? Okay. Yeah. To to me though, if you're if you're looking at that and you got limited animation, I could see how you'd be a little oh, I don't know. But if you but if you see it on television for the mm. first time, it would actually look better than a Disney film on television because a Disney film is too scrunched up and they've got too much business well, going on. We, whereas this actually yeah. works for television.
1: Well we say that, but actually when you look at the Disney films that were around at that time, which uh-huh. would be like Jungle Book and the Aristocats and that stuff like that. That was taking it down a couple they of notches were down a, from... Yeah, they weren't quite as well anim- animated as they were, and there was a It's more, not Fantasia. It's not yeah. Fantasia, exactly. Whereas you
0: see Fantasia on TV and go like, that's all right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but you've got to see all the mushrooms dancing on the it, huge yeah, screen. It yeah, yeah. makes
1: make any sense. Uh, who cares about Mickey Mouse and the, and the brooms? But it's almost the same with the Yellow Submarine. I mean, for sure, the animation's limited, but to see all the designs yeah. and the flashing and all the colors now and stuff... Now that I'm thinking about life, it, way, I'd like to see it on the big screen. Yeah, screens. it is pretty interesting. And I was reading an interview with... Um, the cartoonist uh, Richard Sella, and uh, he was t- talking about how his dad took him, he- him and his friends to see it in the '60s when it came out, when it was first released, and his dad went to the film with him, and about half an hour into the movie, he said, leaned over and said, "I gotta go. This movie's killing me," because it was just too much flashing and brightness yeah. and stuff for for his oldness. You know, just the same way that when I watch a video now or something very MTV-ish, I can feel like this is just too much or watch a modern film now, I complain that it's too shaky and too much cutting. Yep. And it doesn't, it feels too, too, you know, it doesn't feel connected to me. There's no continuity to it. Whereas, you know, someone younger than me can watch it and be perfectly satisfied with Absolutely. this jumble that they're seeing. Whereas to me, it doesn't feel properly done, you know, and so I can, I can understand. I, what I'm saying is I commiserate with Richard Sella's <laughs> father, how he felt watching Gail of Silmarine.
0: I also really like at the end with the, uh, I think it's a great use of all you need is love. Mm-hmm. Like even more so than the actual live performance sure, of yeah. it to me. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's it really it hits the mark and just seeing John dancing, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you know, that is the Beatles. That's their voices now in the in the music while yeah. while that's all going yeah. along. You know, it was just like, Yeah, this is this is really feeling like this is the era, this is the time, this is the message, this all goes through. Jeremy going up into the sky, you know, and uh, past the clouds, almost into space and the word yes is there, just like Yep, you got it. This was what it was, and yeah, yeah. boom, there it's you are. Very
1: much of its time. It's right.
0: very of its. It's representative. It's a. It's a picture of a moment in time.
1: Well, I think I before mean,
0: the cynicism came,
1: it, like I say, the, you know, it's kind of funny when you watch uh, like a Pixar film or whatever, and they always have like the the crew babies, like babies that were born during the production, right? It's you know, it's a lot. You're like, wow, that's a lot of kids. But because those movies take like four years to make, because the production right. takes so long, this film was made in a year.
0: Well, they also force all the animators to have sex.
1: Oh. <laughs> This film that I see that's made are really terrible. I don't want to watch those anymore. Um, But this film was made in a year, and they had thirteen babies born during, or like a direct result of this film being made. You know, and even though in a year, I mean, not not all born in that time, but all conceived during this film, because it was such a hot house. You know, one thing I forgot to mention was that uh, because there was they, you know, they had to keep the production going. They actually had to create a night shift, so they just hired art students from the local colleges. Mm -hmm. They would bust them in. At night, and then they would just kind of sit down at the tables where the the day people left. These people would sit down and just start working over through the night on painting the cells and getting because oh, cool. just there's so much work to get done and right. so quickly. And a lot of the choices are made. Like we're talking about the a science sequence for Only Northern Song. The, the reason that se- sequence was appealing was because it was cheap to make and took a, took a yeah. little time. Important for them at this point in sure. their in their production. So yeah, it's uh, no, it's it's a great film.
0: And uh, then the Beatles. <laughs> Now the Beatles show up at the end. Was that always going to
1: be the case? or? I believe so. I believe that was planned. And the only thing that was different was originally it was going to have a psychedelic backdrop to it. Uh, they were going to add like an animated backdrop to that why to they're it.
0: in front of a black background? Yeah,
1: yeah. But they didn't have the budget for it. And uh, rude policemen. Well, it was an ambulance and I feel guilty for uh, insulting it. Um. Anyway, so I can't remember what I was talking about. <laughs> you were honest, talking really.
0: about the background gonna be psychedelic. Oh,
1: that's right but yeah they didn't have the, the money for it so I just ended up with the, the back the back the brown or black background. But t- to me like that again,
0: you know your uh, your flaws uh, then become your style. yeah you know it's like we've seen it all. We yeah. don't need that. Yeah. Like, the the biggest special effects you can give us at this point is the Beatles. Yeah. And you've just shown up. Yeah. And, like, we've fallen, like, as an audience, we've fallen in love with the Beatles through this. Yeah. They've just rescued Pepperland and they've all mm-hmm. this, and it's like, it's the actual Beatles. Like, you're actually thrilled, even though you just watched a whole Beatles movie. The Beatles showed up. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I didn't expect this at
1: all. It's a great cameo. That's great. And, and, and they're there's... all just goofing and having a nice time. And, and it's it... a, mo- a great moment of pantom- British pantomime humor of the, you know, the, the even bluer and meaner meanies are on the way and yep and so they have, we have to sing you know yeah
0: it's completely british pantomime yeah it's great fun and uh, I, I assume the audience would
1: be singing along oh i hope so
0: if they weren't sour balls <laughs> well you say you saw it in the theater i don't remember people singing along with it oh
1: boo to them it was one of those things where there wasn't like a full house you know how so. about
0: you were you singing uh, boo
1: I, on you I, then sir i singing under my breath
0: okay that's fine then the blue meanies win. <laughs> blue meanies But win. to be fair, you know what? There's always blue meanies out there. There's always new blue meanies. That's true. Enough. And newer and bluer meanies, and we've got to deal with those. Sure. So your least favorite and my, my favorite. Yeah. So let's move on to my favorite. Okay. Beatles film. My least favorite. Interesting. Let it be. Let yeah. it be. I love Or this as film. I like, uh, I, I call it watching mom and dad break up.
1: Well, it has that element to it, but then it, it does. I mean, it's very carefully edited to kind of hide a lot of that element to And it. that's
0: the biggest flaw this movie has. Huge it, flaw well, to it, me. You go you why? your general. Oh, you want to go with me yeah, first? Yeah, why would you say that? Okay, here's the thing. Either either you show me the making of the songs, yeah. and that's great. And I like seeing that. I really like seeing like the different versions of mm-hmm. the songs. That's mm-hmm. fine. And the rooftop concert, yeah. fantastic. Sure. Then you t- then the man take out the stuff where they're fighting a little bit, you know. uh You know, either go for it or don't. I need to see. I need to see more of that, mm-hmm. and then you go all the way with that, or don't leave it in at all because it right now looks like you're seeing mom and dad. F- you're coming in at the end of mom and dad fighting. You've just walked in. You heard a little bit of it, but not much. And you're like, oh, well now I just feel. I feel I feel a little ugly, voyeuristic, maybe I shouldn't be watching this, Mm -hmm. yet I don't know enough about what's going on to feel any satisfaction or resolution of where this is gonna go. You don't even let me mourn or feel bad or take me all the way to where this is going. I'm not hearing them having a yelling blowout, which is what I need. So it's nothing. Like it's just I'm just I'm peeking in a window, almost seeing someone taking off their clothes. I feel dirty, yet I haven't seen anything. And it's just like meh what's why am I seeing a little bit? if if at all either all or nothing movie don't give me this
1: let me a- let me answer 5% of let me something. answer your objection please for, i think for one thing you're reading into it because you know that you know what's come you know what's coming right but i think if you watch the film without any knowledge of what happened to the beatles okay. you wouldn't take it the way that you're taking it to me that sequence between george and, and paul which is the one kind of argument you see in the film
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's almost there to show the creative process there is strife when people are, are working together. Okay. You're going to have times where it doesn't go smoothly together all the time. But mostly it works together. And we, you, know, you do see them working through the songs you know, at Twickenham and then in Apple Studios. And eventually we get the performance. We get the, the uh, studio performance of Let It Be and, and uh, Two of Us and the long and winding road right. which of course happened the day after the rooftop concert but in the film it comes before because the rooftop concert is obviously the climax of absolutely, it absolutely yeah and then we see the rooftop concert and what's great about the rooftop concert and why this film is so fantastic is how happy they are in that moment together performing that song mm-hmm. performing those songs like you can see in their body language yep. and in their in their in their you know in their interconnection with each other how much they come together in that moment as the beatles mm-hmm. no matter what happened before whether the 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 little fight with with george and really when you watch it it's really not it's a it's this is very minor tiff like you would hardly see them breaking up over that you know right and you see them working through all this stuff to that moment of just absolute utter joy like just how great it, they are as a band and how great they were as a band mm-hmm. you know you just and when I watched that sequence, I have to say I just smiled the whole time I was watching it, like because it's just such a happy moment in that film, and a happy moment for them, you know. Like, and it's interesting. There's two stories to the, f- or two views to the film. Okay, we have the director's view, Michael Lindsay Hogg, who was. Let's just talk. A, we'll just talk a little bit about it. It's not that long ago that we talked about Let It Be, so I feel like silly just to, to talk about right. that background again. But we'll just talk very. Quickly. Everyone has skipping forward uh, <laughs> powers. Right. If uh, we can feel like go like we're... ahead, thirty seconds. Um, if you know so once again it's paul's baby paul's idea that the beatles uh do this album as a live performance you know let's return to our roots let's get back as the album was originally going to be called Mm -hmm. let's get back to our roots as a live band when we really connected with audiences when we played in hamburg when we played in the cavern where you know we were one-on-one with with our audience and they could relate to us and we could relate to them we could you know hear them and we could feel their excitement and it it, it empowered us you know Let's go back to that time. Let's and let's do this as you know, let's make this into a multimedia thing as well. Let's let's have you know, us making a record. Let's us have it you know, getting ready for a concert. We'll do all new songs as a concert. We'll we'll rehearse them, we'll show us rehearsing them, we'll show us putting it together as a nuts and bolts thing, and then we'll have we'll show us on stage doing this great concert. And so, you know, the idea like as you'd seen this Picasso documentary showing him working from the very early the germ of the idea of this painting to the painting being finished. And so he liked the idea of, so it's, the idea was going to be two different television hour-long shows. One, the, the documentary of them getting it ready, and the other one being the live performance of them performing these songs. And so it didn't work out as it should have. And, you know, it is, it is a weakness of the film for sure. You know, that, that they, they uh, chickened out, basically is what they did. You know, they had a great idea and they really, they could have done it, but they chickened out. They should have done the live performance. That would have made it the greatest film ever made, probably. Mm -hmm. And the rooftop performance is a great second best, but it's not as great as it could have been because really the weaknesses of the album are that we're hearing them performing the songs in a studio situation. You know, if they could have done it live in front of an audience, it would have boosted their performances up, you know, by, by another magnitude, I think. And it would have really kind of closed the circle and they brought in so they brought in this director named Michael Lindsay Hogg once again he was an American and uh, he had worked on Ready Steady Go and he he directed the Rolling Stones Rock and Roll Circus so he had lots of experience with, with working with musical acts and filming in a, in a live situation music and so they thought he would be the best for this so he came in on it and You know, it it kind of one of those things where you start off with a simple idea and it became more and more complicated. You know, rather than just performing at a smallish club in London, they're going to perform in a mill, they're going to perform in an ocean liner, they're going to perform at the Great Pyramids or whatever. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as it got bigger and bigger, of course, your ambition gets smaller and smaller because you create these giant walls of difficulty of, you know, transporting everything down to Africa and then setting up there and what a lot of work. Let's just go to a roof. And so...
0: Yeah, is, does it serve the song? Yeah. Are you are you now putting so much of a beautiful, elaborate frame around the piece of art that you don't see the art anymore? Because, yeah. like, the frame is an African exactly. mural. And it's like, all right, that's, I can't not look at that.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like a, a, So I'm missing Get Back. A short residency at the Roundhouse in London would have been perfect. A perfect situation. Yeah. It's a smallish crowd. And, you know, you, you can do it over several nights so that you can pick and choose what you're going to show. And you can work up to, you know, you can kind of work through your nervousness playing for a live audience again yeah. until your final show when you're really I do want to get to that
0: can I let me just ask you a bigger question sure. a big question then we can get more into specifics you're saying to me um, that I'm uh, I'm projecting my knowledge of what happens yeah. after this film mm-hmm. and that is coloring what my my interpretation of the film is which yeah. was, could be fair yeah. now but you have knowledge of what the film could have been yeah. now does that color your knowledge of the film my as my, to,
1: my interpretation of the film your no. interpretation it of the film or you just write off
0: what the potential you know what it, it was supposed to be yeah. and then what it ended up being and i know what the film is but then i also know what what came after and that's that's well, tainting my it could, uh, objectivity it could be if an... you can have any objectivity to art anyway
1: sure and i'll just say a little bit more so so as the film went on of course it changed now michael lindsay hogg he produced a, uh, he edited together a version of it mm-hmm. and alan klein who of course at that time had basically taken over apple uh under the uh uh, with the approval of George Ringo and John, particularly John, um, he did not like um, he did not like that cut. So he, what he did is he wanted it to be about the Beatles, and he wanted it to be a movie. So he forget about doing a television show. This is going to be a movie. That was his right. first thing. And basically, he cut out almost everything that didn't involve the Beatles. So anyone else, so like, so you can see how little of Billy Preston is in the film. Even though you see though
0: he's Yoko a, off the top, and then she's gone.
1: She's she reappears a little bit little now bit, and then. little but really But yeah, it, very little. Like Linda Eastman, even less. Like yeah. she comes in with her daughter Heather. They come in.
0: Yeah, you go, where'd this girl come from? Yeah. Well, no, you do she's... see
1: them come in, but then. Yeah, but, but then like, what? Huh? But if you don't understand like what the context is of it, like this is Paul's yeah. stepdaughter, blah, blah, blah. You don't know. Right. And so. Um,
0: You've basically walked into a rehearsal. They can't see you. You're literally a fly on the wall,
1: but you can't control when you leave. Sure. But another point of view is from another person who was there the whole time, which was Glyn Johns. And to him, he said, you know what the movie lacked was all the laughter. He said, for me, and I felt for them, the whole time was just laughter. And we don't even see that. And we got a bit of laughter. And it's almost like they don't remember it, you okay. know, because because what happened to them colored their memories of it as well. Mm. You know, so they're looking back on it, and they're picking and choosing what they want to remember from that time period. And what they seem to want to remember was the strife and not the happiness of the rehearsals and the times that they were laughing and having a good time with it. And so... And so that part of it kind of get kind of got picked and chose out of it as well, and so I think that there's lots of different viewpoints that kind of went into this film. But mostly, uh, what I would like when they finally release this film, and they have to, because otherwise it's only going to exist as a bootleg, and I don't think they could, should be happy with that either. When they finally release it, is to include more footage of people around them and more of the good times, it's, yeah. and not just the strife. You know, and I think that no matter what happens. To me, once again, the rooftop concert, the the studio performance and the rooftop concert trumps all that happens before it. And once again, Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter because it's great. Because that sequence is so fantastic. The music is so great. Mm -hmm. The happiness of the performance, their interaction with each other is so great that for me, that makes it the best film of all all the films.
0: Yeah. I think, like, there's, um, it's it's interesting because the roof, like, the film itself, Starts with them, the assembling of the of the physical assembling of the uh, instruments. Yeah, but as things go, it gets to me very claustrophobic. There's a lot of faces. There's a lot of like you know when you're singing "Let It Be," it's just a lot of Paul's face. Yeah. We're really getting tight, and yeah. you feel like I've been in this studio a long time. Yeah, I need to get outside. Mm. So when you actually get on the roof, you feel like. I can breathe. Yeah. You know what the air smells like in in inland. It's Like a nice gray kind of sky. It's just, yeah. it's a little cold, you can, but at least you're outdoors mm-hmm. and and yeah, that does feel good. It it, yeah. it is a it is a relief being out of that studio. I felt kind of like I was stuck with them down there. <laughs> I don't think there was a lack of laughter. Actually, I was surprised when I watched it because yeah. I was watching it for the first time yesterday. Sure. Uh, how much laughter there was. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a little bit more sour ball yeah. cuz, yeah. you know, everyone talks about you know, the, so, but, the, geor- so isn't the
1: George... It, so isn't it interesting, then, that the person who was there feels like there wasn't enough laughter in it? When-
0: yeah, I mean, it is like... It's weird it feel it does feel like the end of a relationship you know where you're still going through the motions you're still having an okay time mm-hmm. you don't hate each other but yeah. you know the seeds' there and you're gonna break up yeah. no matter what you know you're you're having a great time we had a lovely Christmas but you know the next day is gonna come and it's not Christmas every day yeah and the things that were bothering you before are gonna bother you more then and that's gonna that's yeah. gonna happen and that's a shame but yeah they they were joking and having I would have liked to have seen a little bit more I would have liked to have seen a little bit more laughter yeah I would have liked to have seen a little bit more anger i could have seen anything yeah but to me it looked like the the film was playing it too safe okay you know it had music so mm-hmm. you know you don't and it's like if there's going to just be music i'm cool with that like you want to show me the early version of a song and then you show me the later version of a song that's enough of a documentary for me but when you just tease it a little bit yeah. you know throw a little bit of that and then when you have the knowledge of what happened afterwards and that there was the breakup and now i'm seeing a little bit of that yeah. as a documentary i feel like oh you didn't have enough nerve or didn't didn't have the wherewithal to give me well, the, all of that. To
1: be you're hon- being too polite. To be it honest, felt like. the only way they could have shown that would have been through past recollections like have interviews with people because the really big blowout when george left was yeah. never recorded it okay. happened at lunchtime
0: afterwards i just did, i did a little bit of reading and what they what what i was what i was reading on it was that a lot of the other footage just was was taken as too much dirty laundry you know i was like this is nobody's business we're not going to show it
1: yeah and i'm like okay I well it g- was incl- a lot of it was included in, in Lindsay hogg's final cut okay, it, it was it was taken out by ellen klein okay because ellen klein wanted it to be more of a film that could be sold to mom and dad
0: yeah so like and I'm fine like I just say
1: like if you're going to make a
0: choice go all the way don't Mm. you know don't just don't go I'm going to show you a
1: little bit of this
0: and uh, then because we're going to be polite well if you're going to be polite be polite but right now you're just being a tease to me (laughs) and so that doesn't that doesn't work now admit like you say the the concert is great the concert is great you had one of my favorite scenes was paul and john and paul's trying to convince john mm. and going like you know how it used to be you know we were always nervous yeah and then we did the thing and then we felt and then the next show was great and then we were going to do this and we were nervous again and we we're going to do the thing and it was great yeah and I, and i liked the idea then oh they're going to be that set up that they're nervous now doing this roof thing. Yeah. They're not the coffee. They were nervous, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. You don't, but that's great. Yeah. Because normally if you see the Beatles performing, well, you see them on the Ed Sullivan show, you know, the most famous kind of clip of them. You don't go, those guys are nervous. Mm-hmm. You go, yeah, they know it. They're nailing it. <laughs> boom. <laughs> yeah. Every time you see them performing, boom, got yeah. it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Drop the mic, I'm out. It's great to see them talking about I'm nervous about this. Yeah. And then they go up on the roof and they're a little bit nervous. Yeah. And then they blow the roof off the place, not literally, because they fall <laughs> to their deaths. But then they do an amazing job and yeah. that's fantastic. That's that's where the documentary to me, that scene makes the documentary. Oh yeah. Because without we're nervous, mm. you don't get one why they're fighting. Yeah. Oh, you're scared. Yeah. You're not Ooh, just right. You're not just arrogant. That's a good point. You know, you're yeah, yeah. you're nervous. And it's yeah. like this comes from fear. Oh, because sure. you don't think, why would the Beatles be scared? You guys go out and you you sing the telephone book, and everyone's going to scream, and we yeah. love you. But nope, they're nervous, they're trying something new, they go on the roof, and it works, and that's where the film
1: does work. That's, but I needed more of that. That's true, that's interesting, because you're right, and, and they're nervous, and George is nervous, and to George, it's not worth it to not be nervous. You know what I mean? Like, it's not worth it to make the effort to get over that nervousness yeah. to perform. Like, he's just not into it, so... You know, like, so it can never happen. It can never be a live show in front of a live crowd. It has to be this kind of weird compromise. But the other thing I should have said about, what I love about the rooftop concert is I love the interaction between the people in the street down below, <laughs> smiling and looking up yeah. and just reacting to this thing. or the And people, like, crossing over roofs and jumping yeah. down. And just, my God, what is this? The Beatles are playing, you know, let's... You know, and people are, like, so excited and interested, you know, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, they're wearing the
0: big furry coats looking almost Muppet-like, yeah. you know, it's just... Well, they the, can't even see them. I mean, they're looking up at this roof. Yeah, but the people are on, like, other roofs oh, yeah, looking, yeah, looking yeah.
1: across. Well, they're wearing their wife's coats. Oh, this, this their yeah. wife's coats? Yeah, because they didn't have any <laughs> coats for... So, like, Ringo's wearing his uh, Maureen, his wife Maureen's... Uh, oh, that's fantastic. And this Maureen at the end who goes, yay, and then Paul says, thanks, Moe. Yeah, yeah, that's super, and that's a wonderful, wonderful yeah. thing too. That closeness of of not just them, but there are people around them, and the
0: and the joke about hope we pass the audition. Mm, you know, it's just like that's the kind of joke you make. That's like kind of a nervous, fun joke, yeah. and it's just ah, yeah. uh, there yeah, things yeah. are things are fine.
1: See, it's funny when you say that because my only complaint about the film is that I wish it had more had more Billy Preston, so we kind of got introduced to him. Like, wh- he just suddenly appears, this black man suddenly playing with him. We don't know who he is.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And we should have more George Martin in it, talking, like, more interaction between him and, and the Beatles. Like, there's that great sequence where uh, John and, and Ringo are working on Octopus's Garden together. Mm-hmm. And then George comes out, because he's like, oh, they're working on the song. And he comes out, and he's sitting and listening to it, and he's smiling, and he's, like, enjoying this song. Yeah. And, and he's like, okay, I can see this is working. This is going to be really good. Like, this would be good on... A, on you know, wherever this happens to come up, this will be fantastic. You see why they're good. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm.
0: That's, that's an important thing. Because, again, you don't... I don't know how many of this these type of films ever were done before this. But you... When none. You, okay, Let's there say we none. go. All right. But you get an album and everything seems to have come just from, like, you know, from, from yeah. God's own head.
1: That's right. You yeah. know, fully formed. Yeah.
0: You know, and it's like, it's nice seeing... So, see, the now, strain
1: and struggle of getting there, of the fact that you have a little tiff. Yeah. And that you can't forget that you weren't allowed to play your echoing card totally and hey Jude.
0: Yeah, and I'm totally fine with like fear and nerves and that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. what I'd heard beforehand and why I didn't want to watch this beforehand, because I thought it would just be a bummer, was like when I I know like when it came out. John Lennon was complaining about it, going that it's just too much Paul, it's all Paul's face. You know, yeah. They fell in love with Paul, and now it's Paul's movie. Yeah. And to me, that just feels so petty, and who cares? <laughs> it's like a guy with a million dollars going, this guy's got a million and five dollars. Yeah. Mm, I can't be happy with my million dollars because yeah. of this. And it's like, who
1: cares? And the other response it's- is, maybe you should have written more songs. Well, that's because if you had
0: more songs to play,
1: that it would have been more of John in it.
0: But what's what's the satisfaction? But what's the satisfaction that you're going to get out of like more FaceTime? Like, have you not got like it really? It's that have pity. you not like your fame cup? Is so overflowing yeah. that we had to buy a new room because the whole room
1: flooded. You know, <laughs> how much more do you want in that glass? Yeah.
0: You know, so that that is a motivation of just like, you know, if it's a battle of egos. Well, at
1: that point, I mean, there was a, it was a battle of egos. Right, I mean, and it that was to me really is petty childish. and small and no, dumb. It was very and, childish, and that yeah.
0: kills a beautiful thing that you guys have. You know, <laughs> but if it's nerves, if it's nerves and of trying something new, and then you actually try that new thing and you do it, it or even if you fail, I'm hundred percent on board with you for well, that. Well, That's you know, cool.
1: John is ringleader got the other two Ringo and George to go to Paul's house and they threw a rock through his window Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's the level that it reached, right? Just right. that kind of childish nonsense. And so, those sort of comments are a reflection of it. Those kind of comments... Could you imagine if that was in the movie? Like, if you saw the
0: rock-throwing scene, <laughs> like, what a, like how amazing that would be in a film? <laughs> that
1: would have been something else. Yeah, This is all you but need is a love later, guy. Yeah.
0: That's that guy. And that, mm-hmm. I think, is the biggest thing that, sa- that looks sour to me is all the song. I mean, and you're not always going to be what your songs are. I understand the art and the artist are a different thing. Yes. But when you have... All you need is love, all you need is this, all you need is that. And then when I see you, you're a petty guy who just cares about the fame. Yeah. Boo. You know that really sure. kills. Well, we're,
1: we are we are people. We are manifest people. We can right. we can encompass many contradictions, right?
0: Absolutely, but it feels like there's a there's a song and I forget the guy's name and I'm I'm sorry about this. Uh but there's a there's a song a guy does uh it's called Tom Cruise crazy. And the end of the song basically is all about why Tom Cruise is crazy. And it's like the saddest thing about him is he's the only guy on earth who can't enjoy Tom Cruise. He can't enjoy a Tom Cruise movie because yeah. he's Tom Cruise. Yeah. And to me, it's like, oh, yeah, John Lennon can't listen to a John Lennon song because he's John Lennon. Yeah. He wrote the thing. He knows the process. Sure. He can't hear all you need is love. He can't be influenced by the Beatles in the way that the rest of us can. Sure. And it just feels like, and oh. And he was, you and he was out of
1: that phase as well.
0: Right. You know, But you can't hear the message mm-hmm. that you've, you know. That you've colored everything with, and like you're throwing a rock through a window about your uh, one of your best friends, yeah, who would later be your best friend again. Of course he would. You don't throw the rock through a window of someone you don't love. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, that's not that's not something you're ap- apathetic about. And yeah. of course, that love's going to swing around again. Yeah, of course it will. Sure. You know, but smart enough, don't throw a rock. What's wrong <laughs> with you? That's Rolling Stone nonsense. Stop it. Or throwing stone nonsense. But I
1: think that we can all agree that this is the best film.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Unless of course John was without sin in which case he could throw that first. Line. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can all agree that this is the best film that we've just reviewed in the last ten minutes. That's fair. Actually, I just, but but I every, just love this movie everyone so that's out there right now, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you don't have to make lists of things you love. You can just love everything equally. You don't sure. have to make a list of what kid you love mm-hmm. the most in your family. But if you were going
1: to do that, Dave, how would you how would you do that? I'll start with five and go to one. So Sounds it goes Yellow Submarine, Help, Hard Days Night, Magical Mystery Tour, and Let It Be.
0: Good. I was actually asking you for your children, but that's oh, okay.
1: that's that's fair. The uh, children I cannot divide them. There. Okay. I the would same. say. I would say Yellow Submarine
0: for me is number one. Uh, two is uh, A Hard Day's Night. Uh, three, Magical Mystery Tour. Four, Help. And then five, Let It Be. Wow. Yeah.
1: The music means that little to you. What are you talking about? <laughs> songs in Yellow Submarine are fantastic. but You don't see them playing them. In Let it you Be. hear they, them. You see them You hear it. them. You see their... their you, you hear never, the songs. You know, like, if I could go back in time, there's things that I would do. Like, I... You know, we've had our friend David M on the show before, right? And I consider myself so lucky that I saw his band play live shows in the '80s. Right, his band was
0: named No Fun. No Fun. Look it up online; well worth your. They while. did
1: some some of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. Okay, and I, if I could go back in time, I would love to go back, like, and see the Sex Pistols play at the Screen on Green. Sure, and I would love to go back in time and and see this and see the Beatles play the Cavern. Okay, like that to me would be like so great to see. But and but seeing the end of Let It Be, you are almost seeing them playing in that situation right. right it's just them in this magical moment of interaction and stuff yeah. like that and no other film mm-hmm. can capture that okay you know and that's why it's the best film so if you, you're if, wrong if
0: there was one if there was <laughs> one that was just a concert film that would be your best film depends no it would be it depends but no 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 it would be because what you want to see you want to see the beatles performing and being the beatles well no so because the, the more, the, more seen, the film
1: with the most beatles in it the most Beatles in it yeah. would be your best Beatles. Movie. It depends because see, there's footage of them playing like live at a Candlestick Park and stuff like that. Can you see them? You can see them. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I it's can't. but it's not that great because it's not they're not happy in that situation. Okay, you know what I mean? They're just yeah. robotically playing. So it's not them at the cavern where they're joking with the crowd and they're playing some of their favorite songs and they're having a smoke break and they're eating sandwiches while they're playing. No. You know. Dave, I think
0: I think the love that you're taking is uh, equal to the love that you're making, which is because you love you love these guys. Oh, and yeah. so you're bringing something to this. Mm-hmm. And then that's reflecting back on you mm-hmm. and that's paying it off. Sure. And so that's what you're coming what you're coming with is 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 affecting what you're leaving with. And yeah. that's fair. Yeah. Absolutely, but uh, but uh, you know that's why you can't. And we're going to have this argument very briefly. You can't be objective about this kind of thing, especially when you have when I you agree. bring love into. No, no, I it. agree. Yeah, that's right. These so. are totally
1: subjective lists. I mean, yours is subjective minus subjective. I
0: know. We've just had debates in the past over if art can be subjective or or not, and uh, you have you have gone. No, there are there are guidelines, my friend, and this is how you sound when you're doing it. <laughs> and you wear a mustache for some reason and so on and so forth. But you, a, you a, out a there jacket with leather patches on the elbows. That's right. It's weird that you wear those on your knees as well. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so l- too much th- about our shows. those of you that are out, uh, we do these at pews and we do it in a praying position. <laughs> that's right. We could only rent a church. Mm-hmm. Uh, those of you out there, gentle listener, uh, who uh, who feel differently than us, uh, maybe that you one wanna,
1: person still left listening to the show. Maybe you want to. They can listen anytime.
0: It's not mm-hmm. you don't have to listen to the That's what you said. Uh, you could give us your list of uh, please of, do. You know, but listen, I don't want you to be limited by lists. You could also just tell me and Dave uh, something that you liked specifically that we that we missed in one of your favorite films. A flaw that you saw that we did not see. Any any of the above, you know, and we would. Uh, we, we we would love to hear from you. Uh also by the way, we are going away after the next podcast. Yes. Uh so we're going to be gone, probably probably for good yeah. uh with with, with completely beetles. And you might be thinking to yourself, how can I keep completely beetles near my heart yeah. uh past this point? That's right. Listen, the best thing you can put near your heart is a shirt. And if you go to sneakydragon.com <laughs> That's what say say that. that's right. They say please wear a shirt. <laughs> It's good for heart health. They yeah, don't say that. Cool. I can't make that claim. Yeah. We have completely I get Be- that a lot, actually. We have Completely Beetle shirts uh, for sale on our site, SneakyDragon.com. What place on this website would you find the
1: shirts? If you click on, in the uh, menu along the top, it yeah. says Ye old Choppy. Yeah, click on that. Click on that, and then you will see a full selection of our shirts, including the Completely Beetle shirt, available in white and black.
0: Very nice. We also have our tribute to our White Album two-parter, which is your plain white shirt. That's right. So uh, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and maybe we'll, we'll sign that one for you, too, if you ask us to. I'm just throwing that out there. So, I mean, anyway, that's our merch. Uh, and at Sneaky Dragon, that's where you'll find our message board where yeah. you can uh, talk to us. You can also go Leave face- your lists. Yep. Facebook. We have a Completely Beatles uh, page. Leave uh, your lists there. Leave your lists there as well. If you want to review the show, you can do that on iTunes, whatever country in the world you're in. Yeah. Uh, you can do that. If you're uh, from England, probably you'll like the show. Because yeah. people in England seem to like the, like this show. So they that's get nuts. us. Yeah. We're but you know, England. Let me tell you something, U.S. Are you going to let England win the liking us thing on iTunes? No. Doesn't way. sound like the kind of thing you do, U.S. Yeah. And hey, Canada, you're going to let these Americans <laughs> review this show better than you? We're Canadian for crying out loud. Dave's right. a dual citizen. <laughs> uh, you know, so get on there too and you show everyone what's what. That's right.
1: It's yeah. time for you to record your apologies on iTunes, Canada.
0: <laughs> Now, uh, this brings us to our final episode, which is coming out in uh, two weeks' time. Uh, Or right now, if you're listening to these (laughs) directly in order, I don't know how you're listening to. Uh, And our final episode is going to be, uh, basically, we're throwing it over to you. Yeah. uh, Because we've talked a lot. And uh, now we want, we'd like to hear from you, uh, your Beatles experiences, if you have any questions. About uh, things we've talked about on the show, something yeah. that we didn't talk about yep. in all these a- episodes. We've had some
1: questions. People wanted us to talk about the final two songs the Beatles recorded after John had passed on. We'll be talking about those. Yeah. We'll probably um,
0: bring up The Ruddles. Some people have brought that up. I'd like to talk <laughs> about that a little that bit. A little about bit. About the Ruttles, sure. You know, things that people have been inspired by The Beatles, mm-hmm. uh, films that aren't Beatles films, but things like you know, Across, across, the, the, universe, across yeah. the Universe or The Bee Gees. Someone's <laughs> making me watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> And I have it at home. I've just never watched <laughs> okay, it. Okay, so you So I'll know. have
1: to actually pull it out and watch it.
0: Sure. I mean, you know, you're probably not going to like it because it's not the Beatles. It's someone else being the Beatles, which is what you don't like. Sure. It's someone dressing up as your favorite mm. thing. Yeah. Okay. But you know what? Why don't you, why don't you watch the, the, the Bee Gees one first? Oh. That way, this one will probably <laughs> be better. Shine like retro- a pearl. Shine yeah. Shine like a pearl. Shine like a pearl. So anyway, if you have a question, statement, anything you want uh, to talk about, Uh, please let us know. And that will be our final episode. We'll be talking about that. Yes. And uh, this basically means that Dave will be able to not have to do all this research anymore.
1: That's right. I'll be able to see my family again. Yeah. That'll be nice. They're all grown up now, right? They've forgotten who I am.
0: Hmm? But they probably did before then as well. That's true enough. (laughs) All right, everybody. I think that's it. Are we done? We're done. Yeah. Is uh? How much How much time did we do this time around? Uh, hard it, to say exactly. uh, my it's clock is just saying eternity. It's just an eternity it's, symbol. It's an We've eternity. gone through the sea of time, everybody. Yeah. We've found a hole. We're going to climb in it and <laughs> see if it takes us anywhere. Hopefully it'll take us two weeks into the future. Uh, but thank you so much for listening to Completely Beatles. It means a lot that you're spending your time with us. I'm Ian Boothby. And I'm David Dedrick. Alright, take care of yourselves. Have a good day. And
1: goodbye, everyone. <laughs>